Matt Will. No L's, just sevens. This is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shifts, ripping off rip, quick in the hits, first on the list, this, mad will, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up for size, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Daily Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Williams. You can find me on Twitter at M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. I'm out of hibernation and ready for week 11. Joining me as always is the, really the main host of the show, Mr. John Legaza, who's basically been at the wheel for the last two weeks. John, are you excited to be uh, to be going into week 11 as we head uh, into the fantasy playoffs soon because I don't know how some leagues are handling it with the the, the extended season, but I know some uh, some leagues are, are getting started pretty soon. Well, the answer is yes. I'm super excited as always. I live for this. I think I'm just as excited to be hanging out with you. You will always be the real host of this. I'm actually running out of like character analogies for you. I don't know, Matt, if you catch a show every day, but uh, you know you're Maverick. Captain Han Solo. I've been trying to think of, you know, my favorite ship captains. I sort of captain, but I didn't want to be Antoniel. I didn't want to go that route. So it's good to have you back in the ca- <laughs> it's good to have you back in the captain's chair. And I, I really appreciate your, you know, you allow me the platform because I think for people that are kind of serious about making money in the space, you really want to stay just a little sharp every day. And the, the short episodes were your idea. I think they're going really well. And, you know, we're picking up unique followers. So everybody, please rate, review, and subscribe. It, this has been going great. We're only getting stronger as we go. All right. So for uh, anyone that is uh, newer to the show, every Friday we have our main slate, main show, where we look into the weekend's action. John goes over the uh, up-to-date uh, betting so you can look at the spread the over under whatever you want to do point totals and uh, give his advice his feelings his gut feeling he's the one of the best in the world at this and we'll take a look at the dfs too because uh you know there there'll be some by now we have a good idea of who's playing who's not playing uh friday is a big day as far as inactives and people actually making it to practice so we'll do our best with some players nick chubb just came out that he is coming off the COVID. he will be playing this week so that is a big piece of news that we'll get to when we get to the browns game but for now we are going to go game by game uh if you want to follow along we are going to be going and using DraftKings like always if you open up their main page going left to right when you're building a lineup we're going to be starting with miami at the jets so, John, take it away. Oh, that's funny because I, I have I have Houston and Tennessee first. Um, not Miami and the Jets. We can go Miami and the Jets is fine. You know, I have everything right here. All right, Miami, three and a half point favorites against my J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 over on their stuck right in the middle at 44.5, which is, believe it or not, usually a red flag for me, these over under stuck right in the middle right? Either the public and the books kind of chase them, right? They get chased all the way up towards 49.50 when we're expecting a shootout, or it goes down to like 40, 41 when we're expecting a slop fest. And it's really no surprise. No one knows what to make of this one. It's stoppable forces versus movable objects. Pretty much everywhere you look, Miami offense is not very good. They will have two back, but they're not very good. 300 yards a game on offense, sub five yards per play, drive success rate at 67. I mean, just across the board, Matt, the offensive line, poor blocking, the run game is terrible. Minus 29% rush DVOA, 3.3 adjusted line yards. doesn't get much worse than that. 3.4 running 
back yards per attempt. The line grade, as far as pass blocking goes, one of the worst via PFF below 50, less than six yards per attempt, nine yards per completion. I mean, Dolphins offense is gross, not to be outdone by the Jets defense. I won't rattle off all the stats that they're worst in, Matt, because it would take us the entire show. Jets defense. They're the, they're the worst. They're the worst defense in football. Let's just say that. Yeah. And in fact, I actually saw an interesting stat if this pace continues and, and not just adding the extra game. If the pace continues, they'll be the worst defense for fantasy, like allowing fantasy points ever, you know, or as long as we've recorded this stuff. And the number that really jumped off the page. So the question I'm going to have for you, because these games for me are usually pretty easy to avoid. I think if you're a tournament player, then Tua does have a spot. Right, because you're playing these terrible defenses and the price is right. But Matt, I think the question is opposing running backs against the Jets have just done incredible things. Worst in the league. I have 39.1 fantasy points a game against the Jets defense. That's all running backs. Man, they're averaging nine targets, over 65 yards through the air, just done whatever they want. Opposing backs have done whatever they want. And, you know, McCaffrey, 98 and 89 in the same game. We've just had – just everybody has gone bananas. Derrick Henry went for almost 200. In the same game, McNichols almost had 100. Damian Harris went over 100. Taylor went almost over 200 in a game. Hines went nearly over 100. So the question that I'm telegraphing for you is, can we get behind any of these these Miami running backs? I mean, Gaskin at 5.7 should fill that gap, right? He's, should I guess the, the easy question is, is he a candidate to make the four times multiplier and 25 points, which he has not done or really come close to yet this year? Okay, so yes, he is. He is a candidate for it. Uh, oh, I'm because... sorry, one time. My mistake. One time against Tampa. My mistake. All right. He, he, he's a Gaskin's a candidate to make it because it's against the Jets. He gets plenty of work. Uh, last couple of games, he's rushed 34 times. He's only got 65 yards out of it, but he does rush 34 times, uh, which is the positive thing. Uh, usually, I stay away from him because he's highly touchdown dependent. Thinking Miami, especially with their like you know high play action um, that they've been using with Tua, they should be able to get something rolling against the Jets. And even though the Jets' defense is terrible, the Miami the Miami uh, offensive line is literally terrible. Yeah. So uh, it's possible that the Jets could be getting to Tua. That play action should help, which I think should lead to either a lot of running plays or a lot of dump-offs to uh, Mike Gusecki. We'll talk about in a second. So, yeah, Miles Gaskin at 5.7 cash games, you're obviously going to want to stay far away like you're allergic but um, I think in GPP, he is someone that is worth a look. But even though as bad as he is, he's probably going to be pretty highly owned just because people like to chase down that green on DraftKings opponent yeah. rank 32. Yeah. Uh, people will see that. People will click that. So, yeah, I think it's fine. Not one of my favorites. I think Tua is an okay play. Uh, I think that against the Jets, he should be able to get something going, except, uh, the, again, I think that this game could be a snooze fest. It's also a division game. Um, so, uh, you know, those are always doubly horrible. I can see this just being a game where maybe, um, the, the, the dolphins actually just get out front and run this ball, you know, and run the ball with, with Gaskin, which I think makes him more attractive. I think just they're one of the few game scripts that might allow them to, to, you know, get ahead and go. So, I think Tua is useful, but I think his ceiling will be capped. I don't mind him at all, though, at uh, at 5,500. He's probably one of the better bets for a cheap quarterback you can go to. And if you wanted to go that direction, 
Um, I think pairing him up with Mike Gusecki is not bad. I mean, you want to look at his price of 5,200. It's not the cheapest in the world. And last week he scored a goose egg, which is interesting because he had seven targets. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of targets. I mean, in the week before he had eight, week before four, but then before that eight and nine. This guy gets elite usage for a tight end. And I think you can't really ask for more than that in a game where I think that it makes sense uh, for – Tua to be making some dump offs him. So I think he's a great play again at 5,200. So uh, those are all my favorites. As far as the jets go, nothing. I want nothing to do with the jets. I think they will be playing from behind, which will be, you know, probably good for Corey Davis. Um, but uh, it's, uh, you know, the Miami does have some guys in the secondary that could give you some problems, even though they're not very good, but I think it has to do with the fact that they're just not a good team overall. Sometimes weaknesses are, are, not as bad as they appear just because you're on a bad team. So the pass catchers I'm not going to, I love Michael Carter, but again, I think they're going to be playing from behind in his limited uh, role will be even more limited. Tevin Coleman was back last week. Didn't play a ton, but again, it was his first week back from an injury. So it's possible. He only played 22% of the snaps that could even go up this week. If they wanted to try to mix in more. I still, again, I love Carter, but if you're picking a running back in this game, uh, Gaskin's a hundred dollars cheaper. You go that direction. So I think, yeah, the obvious, uh, I, I will, I will go with probably no one in this game, but my favorite, uh, play is definitely Gasecki, who I think is worthy of using just as a standalone player. Everyone else is just like, you know, however you want to build your team. Uh, but yeah, overall, my favorite pick in this game is just Gasecki by himself. And that's probably the only one I'll be using for the most part. Yeah. Well, Gasecki at 5.2, if you have identified him, as a top target against such a poor defense. That's a pretty good place to look. Again, Gasecki's only a tight end in label. He hardly even lines up in line. He's generally in the slot sometimes, even at wide. Matt, you make all the really good points. Dolphins' defense has has been better as of late as well. So you want to be careful with the season stats. They've shown us a bit of what we thought we might be getting you know, they yeah, before they were an auto before they were an auto start for running backs. Um, you'd see Miami and you just start Michael Carter. That's definitely not the case now. Yeah, yeah. The last couple of weeks, you know, they they played up to Buffalo, didn't route him like people thought. Well, listen, Houston's not very good, but they you know took care of business. And then same thing, Baltimore. You know, so uh, there is some potential there. The Jets offense, if you're going to pick on anybody, so you're not going with Joe Stacco, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think Dolphins cover this one up pretty easily at three, at at three and a half. It's it's a bit expensive the points, Matt. You know, one of the things I always advise people to do is to calculate the points against the spread before you lay a bet. Like these points come at a price, and these are these are a bit expensive because that that Miami money line keeps moving. We're up to like one eighty. So yeah, it's a twenty dollar. That's a twenty dollar point, which is too expensive to cover. So you would just take that point and look for the cover of Miami three and a half. Also, to our order, I think we're ready to move on I'm with you. Oh, the one I, thing I'm, I wanted. I'm, to... I'm, Go ahead. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if there'll be a foolish amount of ownership on the Jets side. I'm not saying high. I hope so. But, I mean, you see the Jets at home versus the Dolphins, and people look at season long stats, yeah. and you see how cheap Flacco is, even though he stinks. Um, I think, I think, I think we could see some, I could think we could see quite a few like, 
uh, like Flacco, Davis, Elijah Moore. People are hung up on him, even though I think this is not a good matchup for him. They just love how he has looked as a rookie. I Even Michael Carter, people knowing how the Dolphins used to be against the run. Uh, I could see some cheap stacks out there, like quite a few on the Jets. And I just, again, I haven't even mentioned them, and I love cheap stacks. So I didn't even mention it until now. And it's only to say that don't get sucked in. Um, you know, again, I could be flat wrong. Look at, like you said, the over and under uh here for the point total no one knows what's gonna happen in this game but it's 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 definitely on paper is not as attractive as people think it think it is yeah yeah absolutely i think that's i think that's where i'm at i'm hoping people will be chasing what i think will be bad jets chalk against that the dolphin season stats the one thing i wanted to bring up because it goes beyond this episode matt you've done such a good job with is the term elite usage for gasecki Absolutely nothing short of elite. I've kind of put together a triple slash, right, man? I can't fully avoid my baseball knowledge here. But my triple slash for wide receivers is total target percentage, total air percentage, and then a dot. And Gusecki, 18% target share on the season, 24% air yards, and the double-digit a dot. That's check, check, check. The target share in the season is a bit low, but if you were to kind of shrink that sample set down, it moves into that elite category. Certainly you can get behind Gusecki. I like the Dolphins to cover this one up. And some good news. I realized what happened. I, I had to refresh my DraftKings. So I'm back on track with you. Now I have Miami and the Jets first. Let's move it on. Next up is Houston and Tennessee. The, Tennessee's a very funny team, Matt, because they're 8-2. and two, And it's like the worst 8-2 and two you could imagine. But they keep finding ways to do it. I think some of it has to do with the schedule. And that's where I'm getting at as I'm kind of with the inflection of my voice. It's bouncing around. Yes, I think... Tennessee wins this one going away. They're minus 435. I would never pay that kind of juice. I'm not sure I see Tennessee as a 10-point cover team. I generally like a better balance in my teams when I'm looking for the cover. And I think I like a bit better of a pass defense, though the Tennessee defense has been better as of late. The pass defense has been improved. It mostly centers around the line. So if, if Houston is able to protect Tyrod, who again, right, you have to be careful with the season-long stats. He's a bit he's a bit better than I think we've seen. I, I have this one as sloppy. It's another over-under stuck at 45. There's so little I like in this one. Though Tannehill has played a lot better as of late. There's got to be some room for, for Tannehill. And I think my main question for you is, A.J. Brown, who you know I love. I mean, coming in, he was one of my ultimate best ball draft targets. He has the triple slashes through the roof, 27% targets, 45% air yards, 11 and a half A dot mat. He's, you know, awesome on the season, but it's been, it's been pretty rough. Like to say the least, the last two weeks have been, man, some of the biggest disappointments you could have met. I mean, five for 42 felt like a floor. And I know the feeling from stock trading when you don't think a price can go any lower. And then it does, it gives you a sinking feeling. You feel borderline sick. So is the time to buy low on the double bottom for A.J. Brown? Seems like a smash bot. And I'm also wondering if you think the public is going to be going after Um. All right. Well, first off, let's just start at the top in this game. Uh, you mentioned Ryan Tannehill. Let's talk about the Titans real quick. Yeah, he's uh, better. He's been better. The, the problem with him by himself is that even with Derrick Henry gone, his volume hasn't increased. <laughs> he's always He's been low volume all year. And uh, he has been rushing on occasion. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's getting a couple in a game, but nothing yeah. like last year. But again, he has been reaching the end zone. Uh, yeah, he scored 
on the ground for the last five games. So, I mean, it's, it's an option uh, for them and it's an option that they, they take seriously. (laughs) I mean, again, for the last five games, he's found the end zone on the ground. So I think that um, that is something that kind of keeps him afloat, but I don't really like him because of the limited, the limited um, floor with his actual volume as far as passing goes in a game that they're also expected to be up and they have three running backs that they like to use. So I, I'm probably not going with Ron and Tannehill. And as far as the running backs, I want no running backs on either side on the Houston side. It's Johnson, Lindsay and Burkhead on the tech, on the Titan side. It's Foreman, Peterson. Hold on, Matt. And Matt can let me, I'm curious if I could tempt you here because are you, are you going to try to tempt me with Foreman? I was going to uh, try and tempt you with Foreman because okay. McNichols, I don't think he's going to play. He was not, he has not practiced. And Adrian Peterson is just covered in dust. We're talking like top of the ceiling fan, Dusty. He can. It's I, I can get behind it because the idea is, I mean, you're just saying he's he's better. <laughs> Foreman's better, and it's it's do the Titan or are the Titans actually going to admit it or not, right? Uh, because he is so much better than every other running back on the team. Uh, but they've done nothing yet to suggest that they're willing to um throw down all their chips on one guy. Yeah, I, I I don't see it happening. If you're like if you're throwing in a lot of different if you're throwing in like multi entries, I could do it for forty nine hundred. It's not really like a rock bottom price that makes it that intriguing to me. But yeah, there's certainly a narrative here that um, the Titans could just simply say, "All right, well, you are you know we've we've noticed you're the more explosive. Peterson's a shadow of his former shadow, right. um, <laughs> and you know we're we're going to let you go." So it's it's it. I can see it, but it's it's tough to lean on that where, I mean, he could sit like, because again, last week, I mean, we know we've seen like how good he has looked. But again, last game, 11 carries for only 30 yards. It's not like he was lighting the world on fire with the work he got. He did get two, two catches for 48 yards as well, though. So we know he has the ability to get stuff done. So, yeah, I could see it. Um what about as AJ far Brown? as AJ, yeah, AJ, B, AJ yeah. Brown? Yeah, absolutely. 7,700. I, I love it. <laughs> I think okay. he's going to I think he's going to. uh I think he's going to have a monster game. I know it's it's difficult. Last last week he had one catch on four targets. The two weeks before that he had 11 targets, 11 targets. So I mean, I think and then before that 9 and 9. So I mean, ignoring Matt last week, I think he's going to be back on top here against the Texans. He doesn't need a lot of work in order to make good on that 7700. I think that's a great spot for him. So in four career games against the Texans, he's got 27 catches for almost 500 yards and five touchdowns. He's going to do work against the Texans. So I think for 7700, absolutely throw him right into your lineup by himself. I think that's great. Uh, Marcus Johnson, I don't dislike either at 3,500. Uh, he, this is a GPP play, definitely not cash. Uh, but you know, Julio Jones out again. Um, Marcus Johnson, five catches for a hundred yards on six targets. He only played 63% of the snaps. I think that increases. And I, I think that, uh, there's a chance that uh, Johnson ends up. Be- I mean, I think he'll be one of the higher own lower, lower price guys, but yeah, if you're, if you're building sorry. a, uh, what? Oh, I, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you heard the, the, uh, the opening bell rang. It's nine thirty. Oh, <laughs> no problem. And I, I think that, uh, yeah, I think if you are building a lineup where you're looking to save cash, uh, Marcus Johnson is definitely someone I take a look at, at um, yeah, only 3,500. And then, Jeff Swaim at 2,800. We were talking about cheap tight ends before we even went yeah. on the air. 
Uh, and this is my guy. I mean, he, he didn't practice on Thursday because of a concussion, so you want to keep an eye on that, obviously. We'll see what happens um, today. Friday is the big day. But, again, if he looks like he's a go, um, the last three weeks, five targets, four targets, five targets, he's caught four catches in each of them. He's found the end zone twice. Um, and uh, I think that, that you know, that kind of that kind of volume in a play where Julio Jones is out versus the Texans for 2800 absolutely i think he's someone you you have to consider you just you just have to you just have to make sure he's playing so yeah 2800 i think he's probably one of the my favorite plays of the weekend because when do you ever get someone with a legitimate opportunity to reach the end zone and 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 catch four or five balls against a bad defense for less than 3000 it doesn't happen very much at all yeah, it's it's true that you got you definitely have to circle that. And again, I don't care where I get the multiplier from. I think I'm with you on AJ Brown. I think I'm also going to push forward with Foreman, but on different squads. So I'm not a huge like mass multi guy. I like to keep it pretty tight, three to five lineups. So there's room to have you know different Titans on different squads. And I think that's where I'm going to go. Yeah. We really, you can't oh, by the, oh, oh, by the way, I'm off Brandon cooks. Like I always am. I, again, 14 targets last week, 14. Um, he, he had 56 yards. Um, didn't reach the end zone. He's, he's reached the end zone. I don't know how many times this year. Twice is it twice. Yeah. I mean, that's, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, they just cannot score on the Houston yeah. side, no matter how cheap he gets, it's not cheap enough. And it looks, it's, it's just one of those things where like the mouse with the freaking, uh, you know, electrified cheese, you keep, you keep seeing it and you keep grabbing for, it, you keep getting shocked because it looks like it's a no brainer, especially at his pricing. What's he coming in right now at only 6,000 in 14 targets last year. Yeah. He's the wide receiver one on an NFL team with 14 targets. And I'm not even considering him. I can't even do it. And the game script screams like this is a value, but I just can't. Because it's like he just he's proven that he cannot do it. It's really tough. His triple slash, Maddie, is downright gaudy. He has 30.5% of the team target share on the season, 45% of the air yards, and an 11.5 A dot. Man alive, that is exactly what you want in DFS. Like exactly what you want. I, I'm wondering. Does the fact that it's Tyrod back do anything for you? Remember, so the first two weeks you had um, Tyrod, and it was really only a week and a half. Cooks five for 132 game one, nine for 78 and one in the next one. There was one of those touchdowns. And then back last game, Taylor lost that game for them against Miami. He threw three picks and one of them. I really don't like to come down on professional athletes. They're amazing people. They create work. I like them in general. Man, that was one of the worst professional plays you'll ever see in your life it was just awful he was like shuffling out of bounds and flipped it to the defender it was i i can't imagine what was going on in his head so he can only get better man if i'm getting five lineups i don't know maybe i have one cooks but that's as far as i'm going i think i'm i think i'm with you it's, <laughs> it's pretty gross it's really gross you're right they can't get the end zone they can't because they can't establish any kind of run game they don't establish drives at all they drive statistics on offense Matt, check it out 23 yards a drive worst in the league two minutes 28 uh, seconds time possession per drive bottom three a 60 percent drive success rate worst in the league they're just terrible this texans team is is bottom feeding i, I don't know i just don't know if i like the, the, the titans as a cover but yeah i think they win this one easily let's move on this you know 
what? I've talked myself in my own mind. I'm gonna have a share. I'm gonna have a share of Brandon Cooks. There you go. The electrified cheese has got me again. I don't care. I uh, I mean, yeah, like Tyrod Tyro Taylor was trying to force the ball to Cooks last week, and he's yeah. gonna do it again. But he's he's against the Titans here, and you can definitely expose them through the air. Man, I think he does it. Is it I think he, whatever. I'm gonna. This is not a cash game lineup. This is no. GPP. I I will take a shot. Uh, I, I think I will. I mean, it lines up. He got the volume. He just needs to find the end zone. I mean, he I'm needs worried to about, find the yeah, end zone. I'm worried about the pressure up front. Titans leading the league in sacks with 27. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, it's, all, it's, all, it's all bad. This is yeah, – I'm literally just <laughs> announcing like, hey, tomorrow – all right, it's Sunday. Old. I'm going to dr- I'm going to drink something that's really sour, even though I know it's horrible. <laughs> but I'm going to okay. do it anyway. I'm not. All right, let's get away. Let's get away from the sour milk uh, again. You know, I I do appreciate it, Matt, because you're you know even though it's kind of funny, you're willing to be open enough to challenge your own priors when the numbers are there. So I think people, there's a lesson there for everybody. All right, let's move it on. This one as an underdog better, which I am 10 weeks for 10 profitable betting followed on Twitter, baby. Woohoo. Nothing I like more than getting high quality teams, Matt at really long odds. So you never, obviously the matchup is going to be tough when you have that kind of formula, but it's Indianapolis Colts are going into Buffalo. They're seven point underdogs which in general i just feel like the colts i don't know if they should be seven point dogs almost anyone maybe that should be the max but they're plus 245 on the money line that is really awesome that's a plus 30 dollar point on the offering which means even if you like the colts you gotta take a sprinkle on that money line i could tell you right now they're gonna be one of my four picks colts just do a little bit of everything you know, they they run the ball well. We know Jonathan Taylor is there. One thing I've liked to bring up about the Colts run game, Matt, was coming into the season, a lot of people, including myself, were very high on the offensive line. They had a bunch of injuries. They just got back together two weeks ago. So we've only had the starting five for two weeks in a row. And, uh, yeah, it was against the Jets, but they went for like 300 yards combined, Hines and Taylor. And then last week, no slouch. Taylor went for a buck 25 total. Hines tacked on another 30 or whatever. But you still, you know, you're talking about over 150, over 175 yards from the rush game. That's what I like to see. Buffalo D, we know they're very good. I'm not saying Colts go in there and route him, but we have seen the Buffalo offense get stunned up front as of late. Everyone. You know, it's easy to chalk up the Jacksonville game to like, oh, that was all Buffalo's fault. Jacksonville was decent up front. The Colts are decent up front. They're very good at stopping the run. They limit drive efficiency. They give up a lot of passing TDs. That's not necessarily something I consider sticky. Those a lot of times are game script dependent. They keep the yards per attempt. This is the Colts defense at seven. That's very good. Um I, I don't know, man. I just see this one closer than plus seven and plus 245. Very hard to really get behind anybody. I don't like to challenge the Buffalo defense. So this one for me is probably a stay away. And I, I'm hoping people just kind of chase the total for 50. I don't think we get to that total at all. I don't see this one as a shootout, Matt. The Colts move extremely slow, 29 seconds of play. That moves to 34 seconds of play in neutral script. That's bottom three, both of those. 
I don't know. I just don't think we get to the 50. I think this one's a bit more of a slugfest. You know, Taylor is a queue up in fantasy automatically, but when you have to pay in DraftKings, I think I'm going to let this one go. Yeah, the honestly, the only thing I'm interested in in this game is is maybe betting betting the Colts and the under. Um, and I don't know if I'd do it, like you said. Uh, going position by position. Hey, spoiler alert, if anyone wants to skip ahead like one minute. Uh, I don't want anyone in this game. Carson Wentz, usually I'm just against starting him at any time, but especially at Buffalo, so no thank you. Josh Allen, it seems like a good spot. Like you said, though, um, the Bills offense seems to get stumped at times. But uh, at 8,100, absolutely not. No thank you. I'd rather go in a complete other direction of quarterback. That's a very, very, very high salary uh, for a guy that has been somewhat inconsistent. Jonathan Taylor, like you said, in season long, you absolutely are getting, moving to running backs. Jonathan Taylor, you start him in season long at all times, but 8,300 against the Bills. No, thank you. Uh, that That's like in literally an impossible total uh, as far as, I mean, he's, <laughs> I should say impossible. I mean, 37 points against the Jets, 32 points against Houston. He can get there, but that's a lot to ask um, to build your entire team. Again, a very tough defense. So 8,300 for Jonathan Taylor. No, thank you. Zach Moss has proven to me over and over again that um, no matter how many times I go to him, he's going to screw me over. So Zach Moss, you're dead to me. Uh, not, not as a human, you seem fine, but as a fantasy football player, you're dead to me. I'm off Wentz, therefore I'm off Pittman. I, he's a great, and he's only 6,100, but I expect him to get, like, just shut down. Uh, that's that's what happens with wide receiver ones on opposing teams for the Bills sometimes, and I think that's going to happen here. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is a never. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, Stefan Diggs is maybe the only guy I'd be considering in cash games at 7,900. Just cash. Because the chances of him delivering, I mean, that's, again, 7,900. You're looking for like a 32 points, which, again, he did last week against the Jets at New York. But other than that, he's not a guy that uh, he's not a guy that really you can count on. He's won over 20 points only two other times in the entire league, and you need him to go over 30. So no thanks there. Emmanuel Sanders, he's fine. But against uh, Indianapolis, uh, I think here I, I, I'm not totally in love with him at 5,300. Cole Beasley is going to be um, covered by Kenny Moore, who's no slouch on the Colts defense covering the slot. So uh, at 4,800, I'm not even that interested in there. Uh, so, um, yeah, and, and then that leaves you with maybe Dawson Knox, who has really seen a decrease in um, in work over the last few weeks. One target, three targets, or four targets. He went through that stretch where he scored in four straight weeks, uh, hasn't scored in the last couple, and he's gotten 17 yards and 25. So you can hope for a bounce back there. He's only 4,000, so if you wanted to differentiate yourself at the tight end position, he's not terrible. Um, but overall, I'm not in love with anything, and I'm probably not going anywhere, especially in DFS for any of these guys. If you're talking, you're on mute. Yeah, the, the one matchup-based play I did have circled uh, would bring me to Knox. I was curious. I was sitting there with bated breath to see what you had to say. Colts, the season-long stuff is rough against tight ends, averaging 16 points, 8 targets, 63 yards. But if you kind of dive into the details there – a big chunk of that was that Mark Andrews ceiling game. So one eleven for one forty seven and two performance will kind of jack that up. Dan Arnold was good last week, five for sixty seven. Other than that, no one's really topped you know sixty yards. It was Gasecki got the closest five for fifty seven to one. Now if you got that 
from Knox being incredible. He's not really a volume guy. You need it near the goal line. So I could see, man, I could see if we just let this one go at all. I'm with you 100%. And to give people an idea of how I like to draw up these bets, remember, you, you're in control of your own destiny here. You don't have to, like, listen to anybody. You could totally do your own thing, whether it be dollar amounts or sometimes I see – I'll put out tickets, Matt, and people almost complain they're too complicated, you know, meaning – Oh, just kind of pick one thing and go with it. That's not the best way to approach risk ventures. You want to kind of cover your tail a little bit. So in this one, yeah, I'd be looking at a sniff of the plus 245 for Indianapolis. But I think also I might pair the Colts plus seven with the under 50. You know, that was a hit yesterday uh, where you kind of drop these game scripts and I like New England to cover and the under, we paired them together plus 250. And that was a hit for anybody that hit caught that one. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more into the betting with you on this one. All right, let's go forward. This one is really sloppy for me. Saints going to Philly. I, I have such an odd feeling about this one. I guess the betting board agrees. Saints are two-point underdogs. I have a problem with Philly as a favorite in general, Matt. I really do. They're they're a team I've been betting on as an underdog, but I don't think they should be almost favorite against anybody. But it's because they're home, and the total is down at 43, and it's probably for a lot of the kind of chin scratching that's going on. Saints move very slowly, so they're an under team in general. That 43 speaks to that. I, they, they, I don't know. It's, it's a Kamara-based play here. What are we going to get from them? I, I don't know. Is he even is he even going to go? We have do not practice Thursday, but he's coming off a limited practice Wednesday. So I don't know, if, Matt. You see where I'm going? Like I didn't know if that was a rest job. Like okay, he showed him that he gave him a little bit Wednesday, so they're going to rest him now because he's good. Or do you think I didn't read anything about a setback in particular? But that could be a clue for a setback. I can't bet on the Saints without Kamara. I'm having trouble betting on the Eagles if I think Kamara might go out there. Jalen Hurts has just looked atrocious. And the Phillies have slowly transformed themselves into like an uber run team. It's just this incredible amount of running attempts, you know, when you add in Hurts as well. Because it's not just the 25, 30 attempts you're getting from the running back. Hurts has double-digit attempts as well. So I think he's obviously a, a good play for cash games, maybe even – in um, tournaments because the Saints defense is funneling people into the pass. I don't really got much. You got to have your eye on Goddard, who I really liked, but then he went down. Um, he didn't practice Wednesday. He got in a limited practice Thursday, so maybe he'll be back. I don't like chasing limited usage. I think I'm just staying away again, man. And maybe for me, it's hurts in this one. And other than that, I don't know, Matt, you got anything. I'm having a hard time planting a flag here. No, if everyone wants to fast forward another minute, I want no thing to do with anyone in this game either. Trevor Simeon sucks. Therefore, you cannot play Marquez Calloway, who's a deep threat. I'm not trusting that with Trevor Simeon. Deontay Harris is also out. Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah, this seems like maybe a decent matchup for him. But again, the Saints uh, league low, NFL low, 72.9 rushing yards per game against uh for for uh against the run and for him i think that that really caps with the ability of what you want from him again i think that at 6800 that's just a little too expensive at Traquan or uh Devontae smith i think that he is possibly going to get shouted by marshawn Lattimore. not that i don't think Devontae smith could take marshawn i actually do uh so i think that if you want to go there 
uh, he's a possibility at 6,400 anytime to get you where you want to go, but I don't, I'm not in love with it this week. I, I am staying away. And then the running backs, absolutely not. Camara, do we, uh, do we know is, is, are they resting him so he can play either way? It doesn't matter either. He's not playing or he's going to be limited. Why would you push the envelope? If you have Mark Ingram, the only thing in DFS I'm interested in is if Kamara can't go, you're going to throw Mark Ingram in there at 5,400, but so on, so will everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not exactly, you know, one of those things, the Eagles side, uh, you can't get excited about anyone. They were always splitting everything up with Scott and Howard. Anyway, in recent weeks, Miles Sanders is designated to return from the IR. Uh, we don't know if that necessarily means he's going to come back this week or not, but if he does, it certainly throws everything into, into a, uh, into some turmoil. Uh, so yeah, I, I just don't want, anything to do with this matchup you mentioned like an adam trauman a little bit just because of how cheap he is if you want to talk about that a little bit dallas goddard's in the concussion protocol he he's getting a ton of work um ever since um zach ertz was traded away but again last week against denver only two targets before that six seven and five like i said he's uh he's in the concussion protocol he should be good to go so you can look his way i suppose um but at uh at 4400 I would rather go in another direction, uh, especially against the Saints who aren't a poor defense. So, yeah, I don't like anything to do with this game. I'm staying away entirely. Yeah, I think you got it. The only play that I do like that I, I forgot is a matchup-based play. And I do like I do like Troutman. Matt, somebody you were bringing up coming into the season, I didn't really know about it when you look into him. Yeah, he is like an athletic kind of pass catcher. All the, the calculus is there. Eagles defense struggling worst in the league or bottom three against tight ends. Fantasy points a game up at 20. Eight and a half targets for 74 yards a game. You know, that'll do it. They've, you know, they've, they've struggled. Tight ends have gotten work done. You know, even if Hayden Hurst is catching four balls, Schultz went six for 80. You know, there's a bunch of pretty heavy logs there. Forster Moreau had the big game. TJ Hawkinson, that was his big game, 10 for 89. And then all of the Charger tight ends, three different tight ends had at least three catches and 40 yards. They gave up two touchdowns in that one. Then Albert O and Noah Font kind of had their way against Philly. And I think that's a it's it's a it's not coincidence. If you're watching the Philly play defense so they're relying on the front four to get pressure and if they don't because that philly's pass rush pff grade is up near the top at 80 which is excellent even though they don't get a ton of sacks you don't necessarily have to get sacks pressures and everything that are fine what they're doing is allowing teams to operate underneath and now that's materialized in the completions allowed per game philly is bottom two at over 25 but the pass yardage is low at 223 so that's what i mean it's a function of the defense, they're doing it on purpose. Adam Troutman has actually stepped up. He's tied for team lead in targets the last three weeks. The triple slash on the year, not terrible. 13% target, 9% air, 5 a dot. Those are low, but remember, it is a tight end. And if you zoom in in the last couple of weeks, those are a lot better. Everything in the double digits except for the a dot. So when you consider the price for Troutman, 3.3, you and I often talk about the four times multiplier, right? 50,000 in cash. We're looking for 200 points. I need 13 points from Troutman. It's, you know, it's pretty doable. Four for 47, week nine versus Atlanta. He falls into the end zone. You got it. So if he becomes that target because of the defense, you mentioned, oh man, I, I, I cheap tight ends and him being, you know, tough this week. That's probably a place I could definitely see going. Other than that, yeah, I'm leaving this one, man. Not interested. A lot of ugliness this week, man. 
Let's move it on. We got the Washington foosball team. Three-point dogs. This one I'm a bit confused. Going to Carolina. The total set at 43. That one I get. It's the spread that I don't. I've been back on Carolina. I like the Carolina Panthers again. The defense has stepped back up. When they got Shaq back a couple weeks ago, they literally took back off. And for me, they answered a lot of questions. Panthers, defense across the board, just excellent. Leading the league in plays, yards allowed, yards per drive, time of possession, drive success rate, all of the passing stats, adjusted sack rate, attempts, completions, yards, yards per attempt, yards per completion. I mean, the, the Panthers are doing it. Washington is really struggling. But the thing for me, Matt, was that Chase Young injury for Washington. He is phenomenal. And he was at the center of Washington beginning to get that defense right again. They're really going to struggle without him. CMC is back. He is getting all of the usage. I have been hearing people talk about Cam. I'm not there. There, I, I haven't gotten to that. I'm not sure where the love is. I think Walker is still going to get some run. So for me, my eye in this one is on McCaffrey, even if I think Newton may vulture a little bit. The game log for me just really speaks for itself. This is feels like old-fashioned McCaffrey use. It's funny, the snap percentage is not there, Matt, but when he's on the field, he's getting the rock, you know, 23 touches last week and 160 yards total. I think you see a repeat of that as far as usage goes. So for me, it's as simple as CMC and Panthers to cover this one up. Yeah, I'm, <clears throat> my favorite play in the game is the Panthers defense. <laughs> They're 2,700 on DraftKings, 2,700 uh, at home. So yeah. Yes, please. I'll, I'll take that. I'm always looking for a discount on defense. And there, there's certainly someone that could, uh, you know, pick a ball against Taylor Heineke, who uh, I have no interest in. Again, Carolina pass defense, 6.4 yards pass per attempt. So I'm out on him, which is therefore I'm out on Terry McLaurin, who's 7,000. Uh, the Panthers have like a, a, a whole slew of cornerbacks I can throw at this guy. And again, this isn't me. Uh, saying Terry McLaurin um, can't get it done. He's he's somewhat matchup proof because he's the man. But again, for seven thousand dollars, there's other places I'd rather go. We talked about AG Brown at seventy six, Brandon Cooks at six thousand, and I'll take DJ Moore in the game. He's fifty nine hundred, and I am off of Cam. Like you said, I'm not there yet, like you are, but I am interested in what he can do uh, versus what Sam Darnold and uh, Walker were doing. I think maybe he can get DJ Moore back in this game. I mean, it's if, if you want an outlet, a safety outlet, there's not much of a better one in the NFL than DJ Moore. So again, at 5,900, I don't know how much better it's going to get for you uh, than that in the entire year for uh, for DJ Moore. Again, he started the year, uh, he, he got up to his peak around like 7,500. Now he's back down to 59. So I'll, I'll go there, absolutely. Uh, Robbie Anderson, definitely not there yet. <laughs> uh, so... Um, that's pretty much it as far as the passing game. Um, running backs, Antonio Gibson's interesting. Uh, everyone's kind of written him off for the season because of that shin uh, problem, which is healed because I mean, he had a season four, 24 carries against the Tampa Bay defense last week. Didn't exactly do a whole ton with it, but the fact that he was able to get in there and and and, uh, and get that work, and he did find the end zone twice uh, in that game. So I think that he is someone that you can't completely write off for only 5,900. I don't know if the game script is going to necessarily be um, perfect for him, uh, but I, I think that uh, he's definitely someone you have to consider against a, a defense that is uh, you know, not significantly um, easier to run on than Tampa Bay. Not that, uh, not that it's the easiest thing in the world to run on Washington, but I think that's not entirely um, 
or no, I'm sorry. They, uh, sorry, Washington. He's running against Carolina. It's not the uh, it's not the best matchup in the world to want to run against Carolina, but a 5900, I think he can consider it. Um, and Christian McCaffrey, I I can't go there. He's he's 8900. Um, which again, last week he had 13 carries for 95 yards, which is amazing. Then he had 10 <laughs> catches on 10 targets for 66 yards, which is great. And he only had 26 points, 26 points. <laughs> he needs to find the end zone like multiple times to, to, to make uh, that price point of 8,900 worth it. And he was seen kind of grabbing at that hamstring and trying to work it out last week. It just scares me a bit uh, that they, um, I, I understand going for it. And on, honestly, there's so many cheap options this week that I could certainly make a spot for him. Uh, you know, if he, you know, he could easily find the end zone a couple of times here. So again, I'm, I'm telling everyone right now, I like, I don't know if I want to do it and then I'll probably do it. But that's, I mean, that's, a, I just want to just reiterate 8,900 is a high price to pay. Uh, cash games yeah. is one thing in GPP that doesn't leave you with a lot of wiggle room. That's very expensive. Yeah. We need 36. It's so difficult for him to get there as good as he is. Yeah. Like you said, look at the game he had last week. He didn't even come close to getting right. to what you need. Not even close. Um, so, which leads me to um, my second favorite play of the game, not the Panthers defense at 2,700, but John Bates. Who? Who? <laughs> Who, the fuck, <laughs> Who the fuck is John Bates? Um, Ricky Seals-Jones is injured. You know, our boy, as soon as Logan Thomas went down, we said, hey, Washington loves the throw to the tight end. Logan Thomas, we thought, was coming back from his hamstring. He's not. Ricky Seals Jones is probably gonna be out with a hip injury. Enter John, week, yeah, yeah. Enter John Bates, rookie from Boise State. Last week he had uh, 25 yards on uh, uh, three catches on three targets against the Buccaneers. To Ricky Seals Jones went down, and again uh, they could ignore him completely. Again, he's Logan Thomas is is a stud. Ricky Seals Jones is is adequate. We don't know a lot about John Bates. What we know about Washington is they love to throw to the tight end. And uh, I think that Terry McLaurin is going to maybe have his hands full a little bit with the uh, the secondary of Carolina, maybe leaving Bates as someone who's going to soak up some targets here. He is $2,500, everybody. And that, is, that is as cheap as it gets. And again, we don't know yeah. what we're going to get, but $2,500, I think, for the, uh, the role that he's assuming in GPP. You could throw him in there. I mean, he, he's almost a punt play. You know, I, I don't right. know if anyone, you know, has, I don't know how you feel about this, John. Like, if you feel good enough about the rest of your lineup where you can just throw in a complete question mark like this. But again, I think he's one of the most attractive question marks you can ever get for 2,500. I said Swaim earlier, 2,800 is another decent one. Uh, but you have to check the health of him. But yeah, if Bates is going to be out there by himself, 2,500. I think that that. I think he's a worthy a worthy punt play because if he assumes even like three quarters of what the usual uh, role is for that tight end, which he just very well could be, it, it, it could be interesting. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think you're actually I think you're actually underselling the strength of that argument, in particular if we're looking at it from the lens of the four times multiplier, right? You, as you lower the price, you lower the expectation, but that's why rates are so important in compared being compared to raw scores because two point five, we only need ten. So in that, it's funny. Even in this little thing, there's such, such a perfect microcosm on how to think about these games where McCaffrey can give you twenty eight and fall desperately short of the rate, where if Bates gives you 10, he succeeded. And that was a win, and McCaffrey was a loss. So it's just all about perspective. I don't I don't hate well, Here's the thing. Here's the thing for everyone. The last, last, 
last week, John Bates had three targets. Th- he had three catches for 25 yards. If one of those was in the end zone, he got, you're good. <laughs> yeah, but That's it was it. also after, I think that was after Seals left the game. So no, no, it is. I'm just saying yeah. for the amount, how, for how cheap he is now, if he but did that's what I mean. I'm, I feel like I'm building and found the end zone, yeah, you're good. I feel like I'm building to your argument. The the, uh, the football team has shown a full reliance on this athletic tight end, 100% snap share. They're going to be running tons of routes. It's a target of the quarterback and a focus of the offense, a focal point of the offense. So if Bates gets that full work. It's not three for 25. He could be looking at that six for 55. And guess what, man? He exceeded, he exceeded the four times multiplier by 15%. That's insane. That's how you take down a milli. I'm dead serious. I'm not kidding at all. Because of, uh, again, it's. I think you're undersold as a punt because of the usage that we see in Washington. I will absolutely going to circle Bates. I still have him slightly behind Troutman, because I think I like the function of that offense a little bit better. But yeah, that's you know, really good. That, that's yeah, the a thing I love point. here is is people will look at John Bates and then they'll write him off because he's not a pass catcher. I mean, in Boise State, um, and he's played four seasons there. He basically he never even got to 300 receiving yards in any of the one seasons. He he never even had more than a touchdown <laughs> uh, than any of the seasons. And you're looking at that and you're like, all right, he's a rookie also. Maybe they're not going to use him. Again, in limited usage after Ricky Seals-Jones left the game, he had three targets, three catches. That needs that tells you all you need to know. They threw him in there and boom, into the fire. Three catches, three targets. Like they're going to use him. It's a limited uh, amount of it's a it's a limited uh, sample size we have, but it's it's a solid one against the Tampa Bay defense. They they uh, threw him right in there and immediately gave him the ball three for three. So uh, anyone thinking that uh, just because he wasn't a pass catcher in college, uh, primarily think that the Washington is not going to just throw him right into the the uh, that role. <laughs> they they proved they're going to. They immediately did. All right, last thing. We're going, I know we're going a little bit slow, but we always leave so much goodness. And yeah, people, you got Friday and Saturday and Sunday morning to listen even in pieces if you like to. I know I've been listening back. I've been listening back. We leave so much good stuff. Here is the last point before we move on to this. And it has to do with something Matt mentioned much earlier on. We actually didn't mention Terry McLaurin. Uh, he's tough. He's more of a GPP thing. But what I wanted to get at was price to usage, right? So McLaurin is up at 7K. And he has elite usage, 27% target, 42% air yards, 12 a dot. That's a monster triple slash. What about the player that Matt mentioned, DJ Moore, going for a fraction of that price, right, at 5.9? That is a legitimate fraction. Saving 1,100 in DraftKings is tremendous. Check out the DJ Moore triple slash, 28% better than McLaurin, 41% air yards, one tick below, and an 11 a dot, one tick below. DJ Moore is getting elite usage. His slump, I think, is tied to the poor quarterback play. And I think if you stick with that narrative, there's an excellent reason to get more into your lineup. I may get more. I'm building a lineup as we go, Matt. I may get more into my third wide receiver spot and come off of McCaffrey because of the great points that you made. All right, everybody, let's move it up. Man, that was awesome. Matt, why don't you lead this dance? I'm sorry. We need more of you and less of me. Detroit Lions plus 11 Cleveland in Cleveland, 44-point total. Lions and Browns in a yuck fest. Who do you like? All right. So <laughs> who do I like? I give you all the best I, ones. You get all the good ones. Yeah. And Nick Chubb, <laughs> like I mentioned in the beginning here, he's, he's going to be back for this one. So I, I think that's bad news. <laughs> That's bad news for the Detroit Lions. Uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, 
I mean, Nick Chubb, his last game, uh, 14 carries for 137 yards, <laughs> two touchdowns at Cincinnati, uh, 16 carries for 61 yards. The game before that, before that, uh, he was out 21 carries for 161, 21 carries for 100, 22 carries for 84. He's going to get the ball early and often. And, um, he may be a little, uh, he may share the, the load a little bit with Dearness Johnson, just because it says, you know, he's coming back from the COVID, uh, uh, but you know, it, it, I don't expect them to slow him a, a, a total much, but as far as betting this game, yeah, I think the Browns have it, but 11 and a half points this is at least what I have right now. Um, is that, I don't know if that's up to date. That's what I have right now. The Browns favored by 11 and a half. That's a lot, especially yeah, in a game with, you know, it's funny. Yeah. It moved to 12 since we started. Oh, it moved to 12, especially in a game with kind of a, a kind of a low total. I, I have a 43 and a half. Is that what you have? Yeah, that, that moved to 44 since we started. Okay, all right. So, I mean, it's still relatively low for such a large spread. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's correct. That's yeah, correct. If I want to, if I want to, if I want to bet a large spread, I want to, I want a large over and under as well. Uh, so, I, I think that the, the Lions could keep this somewhat, somewhat uh, closer than that. Uh, DeAndre Swift. I mean, uh, Williams is going to be out again, Jamal Williams. Um, and Swift with him out last week, 30, 33 carries in that freaking crazy ass 16 to 16 tie last week versus Pittsburgh. So, uh, that just to give you an idea of how much work he could get, he still had, uh, he still had uh, six targets through the air as well. They didn't do much with, he only had 19.5 points on 33 rushes for 130 yards and six targets. Uh, because he didn't reach the end zone, but you could see what kind of um, you could see what kind of work he can do again at Pittsburgh. So uh, that is certainly that is certainly interesting, even against the even against the Browns, who are are some you know pretty difficult to to run on in general. That's just a uh, pretty crazy workload that I expect the I expect this game to be closer than the eleven and a half. But I I don't know if I want Swift in DFS, but for seven thousand. In that workload, it's difficult to look the other way. So I think that's someone you have to take a serious look at as well. Um, the rest of the, why don't we talk about TJ Hawkinson? What are you doing with him, John? Because oh my god, Jared Goff sucks. Well, so I, I bad. Mean, I'm surprised you didn't mention that. I don't think Goff is going to play. So I mean, he hasn't practiced all week. He's a non-participant. I don't think he's going to play. Are you assuming the Detroit Lions get better without Goff? I mean, it's it's, it's reasonable. I would assume that TJ Hawkinson would get better without Goff because tight ends um, do not need a very talented quarterback to to do their work. You know, low ADA is how you get it done. Uh, so yeah, I think at fifty-seven hundred, Hawkinson could end up could end up with a huge bounce back again last week. Zero catches, one target. But before that, 11 targets, nine, 11 targets. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's interesting enough at 5,700. I think it's going to be the Swift and Hawkinson show. So, at, for pure volume alone, both of them are worth playing. Uh, but overall, I, I'm not really a gigantic fan here because I, I don't like either um, quarterback, no matter what. If golf doesn't go, Tim Boyle. Does, doesn't matter how cheap he is. No, thank you. Uh, Baker Mayfield's a never for me, regardless of how bad the Lions are. Uh, so I think it's basically you're looking at the two running backs, and that's that's kind of it. And then Hawkinson, if you want to go that direction, uh, because he's their wide receiver one, always was, always has been, always will be until they get someone new in there. So um, if Goff's in there, no thanks. If Tim Boyle's in there, I think I kind of want to sneak him in. 
because I don't know how many people will really like, I think people it'll enter their mind, but I don't know how many people will actually do it. So at a GPP, you could get one of the best tight ends in football for low ownership just because, uh, you know, his, uh, his, his usage has scared people, but I you know maybe Tim Boyle will fix things. I, I, I mean, I, I can't believe it, man. I get I'm just, I've been advising people to run from the lions run as far as you can away from the Lions. And as much as I do like Swift on a kind of individual basis, Jamal Williams is probably going to play practice. So with uh, Jamal Williams putting in limited practices all week, him being back and then being a disaster at quarterback, at first I thought maybe they were going to go, um, you know, Mr. Blau, that's his name. That name again is Mr. Blau. They're not. I. They're going to go with Tim Boyle from what I understand. He has four career pass attempts for 15 career passing yards, undrafted pick out of Eastern Kentucky. I had to look this stuff up myself. I, I didn't really know much about him. Uh, I, I can't get behind rookie with no experience on a team that's this bad in the first place that doesn't protect the Lions defense atrocious against the run. And I think this is the main thing here. And I think this is how you get Matt to cover 12 points and staying under 44 Browns. Best running game in the league, and I think best running game going away with it. You know, 9% rush DVOA, five adjusted line yards. That's awesome. 154 yards on the ground, 5.3 running back yards per carry, 1.6 rushing TDs per game. Those are all first in the league. Detroit defense against the run is pathetic, man, allowing 4.6 adjusted line yards, 31 attempts for a buck, 36, four and a half running back yards per attempt. Man, maybe I have to rethink that McCaffrey – um, and as I get through it, switch to Chubb. I know we've seen him be a bit limited in the past game. There might not be much of that, right? We, I, I actually think Chubb is the best pure running back in the league, you know, for fantasy purposes. I wish he was just a touch more versatile catching. He did have two catches in the last one. One of them was actually like a little, little square route. I couldn't believe it. He actually caught a ball like 20 yards downfield. I don't know if you saw that. If Chubb started catching 20 yard passes, he's like RB one type of guy. So I think Chubb, I think I'm going to get Chubb into my lineup, Matt. I'm getting away from everything Detroit. I understand the swift love. If he gets it done against the Brown D line, which I think is very good and they're good against the pass. I can't see the Lions doing much of anything. I'd probably be under the Lions total on this one. I think I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go under the total for the game because this is one of those ones where the Browns could score 44 on their own. So this one is just that simple for me. And again, if you're laying 535, you're out of your mind. And to the Lions side, sometimes odds are just not worth it no matter what. Plus 385, no thank you. I think the Lions have a 0% chance of winning this one. Matt, did we forget anything? No, that I think that covers it for this one. Yeah, even I think even with the Browns pass, D, I've heard some people talk about uh, Browns pass offense. I'm sorry. I think even if they get it done, it only happens early, and then you get the reliance on the run game. I don't see the script in any way, shape, or form where this one is a Browns passing game. Mayfield's look kind of crappy anyway. They're more of a possession kind of pass offense. I don't, I'm not interested in that one. Here we go. Money line dog possibility here Matt San Francisco 49ers are six and a half point favorites I'm laughing like how are they six and a half point favorites the 49ers are a bad football team they're extremely flawed they're a bad football team but you'd be favored against an even worse football team in the Jacksonville Jaguars 45 and a half point total stuck right in the middle 
Yikes. The easy answer for me is to leave this one alone. I think the sharp answer for me here, Matt, is I might actually get some money on the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've been playing a lot better as of late, particularly on defense. The front, you know, the, the front of that defense is not is not terrible. You know, they, they showed up against Buffalo. They even played very well against Indianapolis. I don't know if you saw that game. Again, I'm trying to watch every snap of every game. Indianapolis, I think they might have had 14 points on the board five minutes into that game. So to go and hold down the Colts through, you know, whatever, 50 minutes of football to only three points, Jacksonville defense has been stepping up. The offense is a major problem. Jacksonville offense stinks. 49ers defense, not necessarily that great. And I have tend to peg the Jacksonville success, Matt, on the health of James Robinson. I feel like when he's out there and he's playing, not only is he a complete running back that they'll go through on the ground and through the air, I just feel like it's a different engine. It really just looks it looks like a different team with Robinson out there. So with Robinson back, they eased him back a little bit last week. I believe he'll be back to a full load. So I'm going to lean on Jacksonville, though there really aren't any pieces in this game I absolutely love. Other than maybe I'm a Debo Samuel stand whenever Jimmy G is playing. That's like my guy to go to. Debo's, you know, gosh, he is a man among boys out there. He looks like he could take anything to the house. Though with Kittleback usage down a touch, again, I just have a lot of stayaways here. This one is on that list. Yeah, I, I had I had two games so far that I, I'm not interested in, in rostering anyone, and this is my third. Uh, but there, there are plenty of plays that I have no issue with. Uh, neither quarterback is among those. Don't play Jimmy G or Trevor Lawrence in this one. It, I mean, I could make a case where they're both good values for for how much they are. <laughs> uh, Jimmy G coming at 5,600, Trevor Lawrence coming at 5,200. So it's not like the defense of either team is keeping me off of them. It's just a matter of, um, you know... <laughs> It's just a matter of my eyes. Uh, I I don't want anything to do with them for now. I, I'd rather go another direction. The running back situation, again, I don't really want to go there either. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, he's got he broke his finger. He's gonna have pins yeah, in no. it. We don't know if he's necessarily yeah. gonna play. If he's gonna play, is he gonna split with Jeff Wilson? And Jeff Wilson, if you wanted to try to go in that direction, he's still fifty one hundred. That's a little too expensive for me, um, because uh, so for now, pending on what what's gonna happen, you know, if Elijah Mitchell's out then obviously Jeff Wilson at 5,100 becomes interesting. But for now, uh, complete fade. James Robinson is is always good. Um, you know, the, the 49ers are not horrible at, uh, at defending the run, but they're not, like, fantastic. Uh, he's, he's definitely the best player on the Jacksonville Jaguars right now as far as uh, uh, production-wise. James Robinson, he's the guy you go to. But again, at 6,400, there's a lot of other guys I'd rather go with, so I'm not going to go that direction. Uh, Carlos Hyde, revenge game. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, pass catchers, I want nothing to do with anyone on Jacksonville catching the ball other than Dan Arnold, uh, Marvin Jones, Chanel, even Jamal Agnew, who I think scored a touchdown rushing last week. Um, they're they're just so inconsistent that I, I won't go there, period. Dan Arnold is interesting at 4,100 because every single week he seems to get his work. Um, the, his last five games played, eight targets, five, ten, seven, and eight. He hasn't found the end zone, which does cap his ability to kind of get you where do you want to go. But he gets close, even without reaching the end zone. You need to get, I don't know, a little about little over 16 points. 
since week five, he's gotten 11.4, 4.7, 14.8, 10, and 13.7. So he's not bad um, as a low ownership, reasonably priced guy because sometimes that's the way you get things done. Like, yeah, he's not that attractive. No one's going to fade him, but no one's going to be totally on him. So at 4,100, you put him in your lineup and he goes off. You're probably going to be among a very low uh, total of people. And if he reaches the end zone, boom, you're there. And he gets very close to returning value. So even though he may not quite get there to four times, he's not the worst play in the world. Uh, and then uh, Brandon Ayuk, I think he's I think he's solid at 5,000 because people have he's disappointed the entire year. So people are, are sour on him. And then week nine versus Arizona, he, he had eight targets, six catches for 89 yards and a touchdown. Everyone was on him. Uh, and then last week, if you reinvested in him against the Rams, he disappointed you with three catches for 26 yards. But he still has an increased workload, which I think for 5,000 in this game, uh, he could go off. So uh, he's a guy in GPP where I think I'd be taking advantage because he does have that increased workload. And I think that um, after seeing seven targets in Chicago, eight targets versus Arizona, um, I don't think that's necessarily going to go anywhere. Uh, last week, it was a difficult matchup versus the Rams. So in a division game, which I don't like. So, yeah, I think Brandon Ayuk is uh, is is interesting at 5,000. And like you said, Debo Samuel, he's he's good to go every single week. Yep, <laughs> if yeah. you want to throw him in there, go ahead. I'm not going to, but there's absolutely no problem with throwing him in any. He's like Devontae Adams, like that's cheaper. He's just one of those things where if you want to put him in, go ahead. Um, there's no particular reason to do it this week other than he's just good all the time. So if you want to go there, go there. Yeah, I think the, my favorite point you had in there, and again, I've been trying to loop this theme in because it really matters when we're pricing opportunities is price per opportunity. Man, Brandon Ayuk really coming on strong as of late. And these usage stats are through the roof, man. 23% target, 23% air, 10 eight dot. That's check, check, check. Got to love that. And I think with all the Debo love, with good reason, people trying to look to get up against the Jacksonville Jaguar defense, with good reason, worst pass DVOA in the league at 32%, worst adjusted sack rate in the league. They've only gotten 16 sacks in general, allowing 25 completions for 260 yards. You can get it to Jacksonville defense. Samuel will be the more popular play. Ayuk may be the smart pivot where you're getting – you know, that that elite usage that we talked about, it's so important. He's actually not far behind Debo, believe it or not. All of the numbers are, are not far behind it. Debo has a nice edge in air yards, but believe it or not, Ayuk has the edge in a dot, Matt. Debo just being in eight, eight yards after the catch, like absolute super stud. That was the last couple of weeks, those stats. So, I, yeah, I do like Ayuk as a bargain. He's definitely going to at least be – in consideration for me as I put together my lineups. Um, yeah, other than that, it's a bit messy. I think I'm gonna stick, yeah. I think I'm gonna stick with the with the Jaguars. You also mentioned Dan Arnold, elite usage from a tight end. And I think at 4K, it's it's very hard to beat being the top option on an offense at 4.1. I don't think you're going to be able to find that anywhere else. He's had 24 targets in the last three weeks. So, I mean, man, eight, eight target average for only 4K is a pretty good path to get you to that multiplier. You mentioned him falling in the end zone, certainly in the range of outcomes. Okay, um, who we got next? Okay, this one. Why don't you lead us off close to your heart, Matt? Aaron Rodgers is back. After a couple appearances on the McAfee show, he was a bit, he was a bit sluggish. 
Um, that game, I kind of nailed that one. I thought Seattle was going to look really ugly. Green Bay went in and kind of handled them. My big thing on the Packers, I've been talking about this all year, you just bet the under. They move at a snail's pace, and they're efficient. Check it out, 30 and a half seconds per play. That's bottom three. That moves down to 33 seconds per play in neutral scripts. But they're also taking up the most time of possession Per drive at three minutes, 25 seconds with a 75% drive success rate, 37 yards per drive, Matt, which means they move really slow, but they also get first downs. To me, the total at 47 against these Vikings is too high. I like the Packers to win and I like the under. Other than that, you mentioned Adams. He's an every week play. Minnesota's had struggles with the cornerback position, but the entire world to be looking at AJ Dillon. What do you like for your green and yellow? Uh, I think this is a rock-solid game to stack both running backs, A.J. Dillon and Dalvin Cook. Green Bay, the entire world knows they can't defend the run, and they're not going to start doing it this week against Dalvin Cook. Uh, So, yeah, I think he is uh, possibly the RB1 this week at 8,200. I think that he is someone that uh, uh, cash games absolutely go that direction. Uh, I think in uh, GPP, you can even look that way. He's very expensive, but... I think that is definitely someone you can take a look at. Um, AJ Dillon is 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 definitely a a no brainer coming in at sixty two hundred. You can see what he's he just saw what he did after Aaron Jones left the game. Um, Minnesota's run defense is twenty eighth in uh, DVOA, so I think that AJ Dillon is uh, two hundred forty seven pounds of uh, he's going to make you eat it for four quarters. <laughs> this is going to be a tough division game. I think it'll be low scoring as usual, uh, which. I think will lend itself well to racking up some um, some um, yardage uh, for both backs. So I'd stay away from Rodgers and Cousins in this one. Right. Devontae Adams is fine. I think he'll perform well. So again, like I said with Debo, um, throw him in there if you want. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling comes in at um, at thirty seven hundred. He's a home run or nothing, complete boomer bust. So, I mean, I don't go that direction very typically. I'd like to, I'd like a little more of a uh, sure narrative rather than just close your eyes and flip a coin. And then Randall Cobb and Lazard, there's nothing there. I think Justin Jefferson is, is perfectly fine. He comes in at uh, 8,100. Very high, very high. Again, if you're, if you're going to spend that much money, there's, there's, I think, wiser ways to invest. But again, um, Green Bay still without Jair Alexander. Justin Defers, Justin uh, Jefferson should do some uh, some interesting things. Hold on, um, let me ask you, Matt. Are you not, have you not as a Packers fan? Have you not been pleasantly surprised with the Packers defense? Even no, no, the defense Alexander. The, no, no, the Matt, defense. How about this? Has, not a quarter. Not one quarterback has thrown for two. 85 not one quarterback has thrown from 285 and they've kept one two three four quarterbacks under 200 in fact under a buck 75 and part of that i think is a function of the the offense taking so long to do everything but where i was uh, the reason i'm doing this better is i'm kind of taking an l here because i thought without alexander it would be time to pounce at this green bay pasty if you're doing that you're you're not making money no absolutely that's well that's why i said that you can there's there's a Jefferson is talented enough. The wide any wide receiver one is talented enough to do things. 
the Green right. Bay defense has been doing work and they've been keeping people. So I said, if you want to go there, I mean, it can make some sense. Uh, but yeah, again, uh, 8,100, there's, there's no way I'm going that direction. Adam Thielen, like you said, for the Green Bay defense, I'm not touching Adam Thielen even at 6,600. There's no way. Uh, so like, yeah, yeah, you make a very good point that even without Jared Alexander, the Packers defense has been doing a really great job. Yeah. Whether by, you know, like you said, the, the, the offense is on the field or teams are looking to run the ball. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of different reasons why things are going that way, but yeah, there's, um, Jefferson Jefferson 8100 is, is definitely a no go uh, as far as all the other elite wide receivers that you can take a look at. You know, again, why spend 8100 Jefferson when you can get Devontae Adams for 84? Make it work. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Tyler Conklin, I, I want nothing to do with either. So, uh, yeah, I think overall, Devontae Adams is a uh, play anytime you feel like it, if you could fit him in. But right now, I think Dalvin Cook, absolutely. He's, I, he's my, I think, RB1 for the week uh, against the Packers in this division game. And uh, AJ Dillon has got to be one of everyone's favorite plays of the week. Expect incredibly high ownership, but I think for good reason. Yeah. He's super, super duper chalk, you know, whatever, whatever that word is. All right. A quick loss up Nick Chubb versus Dalvin cook for Dalvin cook. Easy. Easy. Really? For sure. Really? See, I was looking to pick on Detroit. I thought that game script might keep Chubb in it. For the long haul, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm worried about uh, Madison for no for no reason, right? I mean, Cook came back and just dominated touches, twenty seven touches. And if you're following these Viking games and watching it, I forget the exact stat, Matt. I think I think he's had five. It's not even five attempts at the goal line. I believe it's five trips where Cook has gotten a, a goal line attempt and did not get the subsequent touchdown, meaning he got stopped and didn't get it. Two of those were Conklin last week. So I know people – I think people might be chasing last week's stats with Conklin. I was glad, I was glad you brought that up. He's not, like, totally not serviceable. He gets some looks, but I think that's chasing um, last week's production. I really like the cook call. That's pretty – man, that's pretty sharp. I don't know for some reason I, he might not be getting a ton of it. I'm looking at the Packers run. You're, you're, you're right, Matt. Minus 5% rush DVOA for those Packers, allowing 4.85 adjusted line yards. That's really poor. That's bottom five in the league. You're getting – pushed around at that point, allowing 4.6 running back yards attempt. And we know that's how the Vikings like to get it done. Cook, man, yeah, and Cook has the ability to snap off long ones. I'm going to start considering Cook right behind Chubb as I build my lineups for my RB1. Really great call, Matt. I always dig working with you so very much. Okay, next one. Gosh, I'm so non-committal today. I don't know if it's the sharpness of the lines or me just watching too much of this stuff, right? when you The more you learn, the more you realize maybe you don't know. Baltimore Ravens. Four point favorites in Chicago. You got to think that line sounds fishy. That that I know. I know a lot of gamblers. You know, in my life that I've met, and a lot of times you'll hear them. They'll say that lines. That's a trap or that's fishy. I generally don't buy that stuff, Matt. You know me very well. I like to back my work with analytics and statistics, and then go from there. I let the math do the talking. But, man, this one feels fishy to me. Bears are okay. They have turned the corner on offense. We're seeing the play calling for fields maybe be a little more uh, in line with his style. And I think that's important when you have a quarterback that's not necessarily conventional, let's say. The big surprise for me with these Bears, Maddie, was Montgomery coming back, and with the incredible success we saw from Herbert, didn't really matter. Montgomery was just like dominated snaps totally. I think, I mean, he pretty much went back to what they were doing early on in the year. I was I was basically, I was basically shocked. You know, so Herbert is not 
I don't want to say he's not a thing, but he's not really a thing. Dave McCarthy had 85% of the snaps. I wanted to look at him. 85% of snap share is everything. And he had 15 of the 19 uh, touches for running back. So that's better than three quarters. So Montgomery and Fields, I guess that's what the market's thinking. I was just trying to vocalize it. Not much I love here. I'm a huge Lamar Jackson guy. That's where I'm going, even with as good as the Bears' past he has been. Lamar breaks down defenses because of his ability to extend plays. Bears leading the league in sacks with 33, but I don't know if they're going to be able to get to Lamar. I'm not really going after this one because of the low total set at 44, meaning there's nothing I really love, Matt. I don't love anything here. I think Lamar, you could play naked any game in cash. I'm leaving this one alone. I kind of want to jump at that Ravens minus four. Did, do you feel as off-putted as that by, as, by that as I do? Um, No, I don't. Really? I know um, you're not a believer in the Ravens. I know I, you know, I'm not a believer in is uh, Devonte Freeman and Latavius Murray. <laughs> no. yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I think that I think at Ravens in minus five. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, I'm not betting the Bears, <laughs> uh, but I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really sold that the Ravens are going to do anything crazy against the the Bears either. Um, I have one play I like in this game, and I'm going to give you three guesses to see who it is. Oh, man. I don't know. You know, I mean, Hollywood has just been this, like, habitually under-owned smash play. He's up at 7-1. I mean, Bateman's getting usage at 4-5, but Watkins is back. I, I, I really, I really don't know. I don't know. I like Justin Fields. Um, okay. Here, here's the reason. I hate quarterbacks this week. Right. Um, I mean, look at, I mean, let's, let's just talk about it. Uh, uh, Josh Allen at the top at 8,100. That's just too expensive for me. Like I said, and Lamar Jackson, this game, I don't really like him at 8,000. Like you said, you can play him naked any week, but again, at those prices, I don't necessarily like that because of the amount of plays I like elsewhere. There's a lot of 7,000, six to $7,000 plays. I like, we talked about Brandon cooks, AJ Brown, Nick Chubb, yep. uh, AJ Dillon, uh, DJ Moore is right there. Um, there's so many guys I want to fit in there that I can't, I don't want an expensive quarterback. And then after that, you got Dak at Kansas City for 7,200. I guess that's 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 fine. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I don't really trust in a division game on the road. Jalen Hurts, we already said. I think New Orleans could could stop his rushing upside. Ryan Tannehill, I think that even in a nice game there, he I think his volume keeps him down. Joe Burrow has been very inconsistent of late. Russell Wilson with the finger, who the heck knows? Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins is a no-go. Versus the Packers for me, Derek Carr. Uh, they haven't been really, you know, quite the same after losing one of their top, um, you know, pass catchers, Jimmy Garoppolo at Jacksonville. I mean, we're we're down into the fifty six hundred area, and um, J- Justin Fields is is fifty seven hundred. There's just not a lot here to like, so you right. want to go discount, and you don't want to go Cam Newton at fifty one hundred because that is where all the ownership is going to be this week. Um, a lot of people are not going to help themselves. Uh, again, last week at Pittsburgh in a, in a somewhat shitty game. 29 attempts, 17 completions, 291 yards and a touchdown, eight rushes for 45 yards. Uh, after versus San Francisco the week before, 10 rushes for 103 yards found the end zone. Uh, and he and he actually found he actually had like a, an incredible play um, recently where he kind of like took off, uh, avoided contact and um, ran for a first down, which just felt like he kind of like arrived almost like his confidence has gotten there. So yeah, I think in this one. 
Do I expect to be 300 yards again? No, but I think he got his confidence up last week. I think that Baltimore is is not quite as difficult um, as uh, you know as, as people as people hope that they are going to be, they're going to be a highly ranked defense this week because, you know, uh, the Chicago bears are nothing to be impressed about, but with that nice little rushing floor for Justin Fields and for him looking a little better last week. uh, Yeah. I I think I like him in GPP for 5,700 because uh, he can get a lot of that work done for you on the ground. Uh, You know, if, if he, if he just comes out and did what he did last week and he somehow finds the end zone on the ground, he's pretty much almost the way there for you. So um, yeah, it's, Maybe I'm not in love with Justin Fields, but I just hate the quarterback pricing this week so much uh, that I think that uh, to fit in everyone else I like, uh, I, I think I like Fields at 5,700 at home. Yeah, well, I mean, all, the rushing floor itself just justifies all of that, in particular if we, if I, you know, I'm sticking with my own narrative where I think Baltimore wins and gets up. They're going to have to get creative. The Baltimore defense is is very weird. You know, they, they're very strong up front, and they're very good against the conventional run game. They haven't really faced a rushing quarterback, and I don't like to just flat-out apply rushing stats to running quarterbacks. It's a different it's a different kind of animal. The one thing here I have circled, which is interesting, I hadn't really thought about fields. When I was down in the cheap bargain bin, I ended up on Tua just, you know, defaulting to go against the Jets. Baltimore Ravens have really struggled against the tight ends. One of the worst in the league, allowing nearly 18 points a game, nine targets, 73 yards a game. I have had some excellent success against them this year. You know, I hit on that um, CJ Uzama game where, you know, he was super cheap, three for 91 and two, tackling at the back of the secondary for the Ravens, not very strong. Cook went four of 25 and one. Mo Ali Cox had 50 yards. Noah Fant went six for 46. Travis Kelsey tore him up. So did Darren Waller. Not that, you know, um, Komet is in that stratosphere of player, let's say. But he is very cheap, Cole Komet, 3.4. You got six grabs for 87 last week. In another – now, this kind of feels similar, right, against Pittsburgh, which plays good defense. Week before three catches, week before five. And I I went and brought up the triple slash for Komet. It's actually pretty strong as input stats. This was – I'm really surprised. 19% target, 19% air over 9A dot. That's a check, check, and check at the price. And now you got me wondering if I like one of my five lineups, I just want to be super sneaky, go fields to commit, go for the ultimate price saving mechanism there. I mean, that pair is only costing you nine grand between the two of them. Now you only need 36 points. If he throws them a touchdown, you're probably getting there. So I, I think I like each of those plays individually. Yeah. And I think I'm going to circle commit as well to probably be in my tight circle of tight ends. Uh, anything we missed there, Matt? Um, I wanted to ask about the spread. I'm sorry. Um, so this one opened at minus 6.5, probably where I would have it. It's since moved to minus four. So people are betting on the Bears right now. I was wondering if I could just get a quick take on you about CLV, right? Everybody always loves to talk about CLV with betting, and people, if you're unfamiliar, it means – being it's closing line value and it means being on the proper side of the line movement meaning in this situation you would have wanted to have money on the bears because that's where the money is going the line moving towards them and of course it makes sense you want the ravens at minus four and not minus six but matt 
this is one of the situations I don't care. I'm enjoying the CLV. I want to keep keep letting it move. You people want to keep betting on the Bears. I'm going to bet on the Ravens for the bounce back. How do you feel about bucking the system and going against the market? I'm not betting this game in a million years. Well, how about just uh, in general then? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I have no problem with that. When it, when the when the money's going a certain way and you have a conviction the other way, it works in your favor. The only thing I will say is Vegas is always smarter than you are. So, um, whenever wherever the line moves, um, they have a pretty good idea, and then you just keep an eye, you know, get an idea of where the smart money goes. The smart money is only interesting though um, against certain teams. Um, there's sentimental favorites like uh, the Mets. And the Cubs, they always end up having much better odds for the playoffs and the World Series than they should because their fans are going to bet them. Right. Um, Chicago Bears are one of those teams uh, right. that, uh, you know, their fans will go out there and bet them, especially if there's a reason to. Justin Fields had his best game of his career last week. Yeah, Therefore, yeah. people are, are super excited and they're betting the Bears. Well, so you like you said, this, uh, even though the money's coming in on the Bears, it's not smart money's not on the Bears. The dumb money's on the Bears. Um, not, you know, not calling all the Bears fans dumb. Uh, but uh, like public the, money, just, public money. you're a little, you know, they get enthusiastic and they want to put their money where their mouth is. And that's funny. Uh, so, yeah, I think Ravens are, are the way to go here, because uh, as much as I just said, I the reasons I like fields, it's narrative based somewhat. Uh, you're hoping for growth. You're hoping you turn to corner. It's a lot of ifs. And uh, we know what we're getting out of the uh, out of the Baltimore Ravens. And. I mean, this game is in Chicago. It's it's a tough one. So like I said, I will not be betting this game. I think that uh, the Ravens are, I, I would, if I, if you made me choose, yeah, I would say the Ravens win this one by at least a touchdown. Uh, but uh, I'm not, you know, not with not enough conviction for me to go any further, but yeah, for, if people want to bet the bears more and they want to make this thing, like if they want to bring this thing down even further, I'll probably jump at the chance to, to bet on the Ravens. But as it sits, I'll, I'll, I think I still avoid. Well, it's funny you, you mentioned that without you mentioned without mentioning one of my favorite techniques, and it applies to betting, but it also applies to trading, and it's trailing a price. Meaning, I want to enter on the Ravens, but the price is moving in my direction, so I'm going to trail the price. Meaning, I like the Ravens at six and a half, but it moved to six. So rather than smash the six, you wait. If it moves back to six and a half, then maybe you pull the trigger. Six moved to five and a half. So rather than pull the trigger, I continue to wait. Now at five and a half, I say, well, if it goes back to six, I'll pull the trigger. It did not. Five and a half moves to five. And now you can see how my theoretical bet is trailing. That's where the term comes from. Trailing the price. So I trail the market and trail the price. And knowing that I'm not going to get the best price, but I'm also not going to get the worst price, meaning I'm willing to leave the half point on the table because I've already gotten two and a half points, right? It started at six and a half. I'm already at four. So if I have to take four and a half, meaning right if it moves to four and a half, I'm pulling the trigger. But like you said, it might move to three and a half. Now we trailed, we're going to get four. It might go to three. Now you're going to get three and a half. So it's just another technique that I like to put on people. Again, there's, you know, everyone gets so set in their ways, Matt, following talents on social media being told one unit this is like you know abc there's only a certain way to do it there aren't there are other techniques to try and maximize those percentages yeah give me the ravens to cover up however wherever it closes next one up hey we can't no. as much as we're, we're wasting time on this game i gotta talk about <laughs> i gotta talk about alan robinson at 4900 for one second everyone in the world's fading him for you know, for, for the correct reasons, he actually did have his best game of the week last week. Um, four catches on six targets for 68 yards. 
again, that's not great. Four catches. He's done that plenty. He's done that a few times this week. In week one, he had six catches. Uh, 68 yards, not a big deal. He had 53 yards before, 63 yards before. The thing that's interesting to me is the 17-yard average because of a 39-yard long. He connected deep. Josh Fields, uh, Justin Fields connected deep with Allen Robinson for the first time. (laughs) That's interesting. (laughs) I mean, it was at Pittsburgh, and he did it for a long of 39 yards. I'm just saying. If you want, if you want to win a million dollars, and you're gonna Stack put in a, and, and you're gonna put in a bunch of, uh, yeah, you're gonna put in a bunch of uh, lineups. I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't totally dismiss Allen Robinson. Maybe coming again, it wouldn't be difficult to have his best game of the a year at any time. But at home, the week after Justin Fields' breakout, wouldn't wouldn't be the worst time to to try it here. Again, he did have six targets. Uh, and in a low, and in a high, that, think about that 4,900 for the wide receiver one, six targets, long of 39 at home. <laughs> if take, take the name out and that's an, that's interesting for me. So, um, yeah, am I going to be super interested in doing that in, in most single entry? No. Uh, but if you're going to be, uh, if you're going for a million dollars, uh, the Billy maker, uh, Alan Robinson, 4,900, don't Listen shy away. The triple slash doesn't lie. 22% target share, 30% of the air yards, 11.7 a dot for a Rob. That is a monster triple slash. If you're just looking at inputs, what holds back wide receiver inputs is quarterback play. If you're telling me the quarterback play is improving, there's your reason people to believe in the triple slash and the usage. For me, that's just simple as the calculus gets, right? We had a reason, a tangible reason that stunted the inputs, that we weren't getting the results. Now, if you think that Fields is getting better, and you people have been able to beat the Ravens' defense through the past, you know, 37 attempts, 23 completions. They're allowing 284 pass yards a game. That might be worst in the league or bottom three. They're allowing 12 and a half yards per completion also near the bottom. My eyes generally on Mooney in that wide receiver room. Yeah, well, that's, 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 the, that's the guy he had the uh, he had the rapport with right off the bat. Um, yeah. So, that yeah, that would be the way I would think most people would look. I just think that – you, 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 you I, I don't know if it's breaking the seal. You, you connected with him deep, and maybe we go again. Breakouts like yeah. this the next week, everyone talks about it like, hey, of course, you know, uh, look at Fields the previous week. Uh, you know, that he's finally got it going. If he does have a breakout game, if you talk about it the week before, you sound like a lunatic. So, yeah, we sound like lunatics right now suggesting this, but I think, I think for the price, there's more than enough reason to try it again in. Million maker situations, and that's that's about it. Yeah, well, you you mentioned all the good points. Ownership is a real thing. People are attracted to the Vegas over unders. So if you think you found something at low ownership in a game that's unattractive, the idea is if you hit, you're going to move forward against the pack, which is all we're looking for at the end of the day. So when all everyone right, next- sees I won a million dollars and I have Alan Robinson, yes. like, look at this moron, and I'm like, <laughs> I already have it on tape. If you this want to guy win John Bates and Allen Robinson, what a moron. Yes, yeah, stack those bears. Oh, my goodness, stack the bears. All right. Well, again, you know, we, you laugh, but there, there is certainly a situation where, you know, fields, or even if you were to get off of fields and you went uh, Robinson, Komet coming back with Marquise Brown gets the job done, you know, or move, there's certainly a combination of pieces there that could get it done. All right, Matt, if the next game is a well, I'll be going back to it. A matchup. Bengals are going to the Raiders. The Bengals are one-point favorites against Las Vegas. You know, sometimes I read these boards and I'm a bit confused at what I see. I like the Bengals more than most, I guess. 
I and more so as of recently, I guess they've been pretty disappointing. I keep trying to look past it, I guess. I don't know if I'm really – I never really thought myself as like a Bengals apologist. The Jets game was kind of a disaster. The Cleveland game script got out of hand really early. Now they're coming off the bye. I tend to like the Bengals to get right this week. The Raiders are a bit flawed. I think the things people like about them now – are a bit fraudulent. It's the pass game. Rugs was a serious part of that pass game. And again, I was really diving into that with that kind of old 22 video stuff. And it they the Raiders were deploying rugs with Waller on the same side and then having them break in opposite directions, which makes a lot of sense because Waller commands the double from the safety or at least a head fake from the safety. And then boom, Ruggs is either off for the, for the fly route or the deep post getting him open. They were taking huge advantage of those two as a combination. And I feel like without that, I feel like without Ruggs, this pass game is not quite the same, you know, versus KC, he looked really pedestrian and tacked on some garbage time. I think the Raiders are, are flawed, and I don't think they're going to really hang with the Bengals. I like the Bengals' defensive line a lot. The Bengals' offense has been okay. We know they could pop the top off with Chase and Burrow. The other thing I was looking at here, Matt, the total is very high above 50. And I go back to the same thing I always do, pace of play. Bengals work extremely slowly. They run, you know, the lowest amount of plays near the bottom, 60, 30 seconds of play, 34 seconds in neutral script. So I'm under here. I like the Bengals and the under. I'm a bit noncommittal on the pieces because I see this one going so far under. I, I, I'm not sure that Chase gets there or that the volume is there is what I mean. Same for Burroughs. Uh, yeah, I can get there. I, I, I think that, you know, I mean, Derek Carr, I, I mentioned earlier that I, I probably won't be on him just because they lost one of their main pass catchers, even though, you know, Mike White, <laughs> Mike White kind of lit up, lit up the Bengals big time, 405 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, I think yeah, Joe it was Burrow, all like, yeah, it was all this weird lateral stuff. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was. uh, I mean, but the, the, the Bengals haven't looked terrific. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, you're right. Yeah, Joe Burrow, he's coming off a bye. I think that he could be looking here to prepare against the – I think he'll come in with a pretty strong game plan against the, the Raiders. So I actually like Joe Burrow this week. I think that, you know, and again, in a week where I think quarterback play in, um, is very hard to come by and in terms of value pricing that I like, 6,600 isn't bad even though he doesn't really run. So I don't mind going there at all because Joe Mixon likes to catch passes, and I love Joe Mixon. Uh, he's one of my favorite plays in the entire week as well. Um, you know, he's, he, this, this year he's, you know, he's catching like, he's getting about five balls a game through the air and he's, um, he's on pace to run for about, what was it about uh, 1200 yards for the year? So I love him versus the Raiders. Jamar Chase is definitely matchup proof and he, he can, he can do big things every single week. 7,200. Definitely. T Higgins is only 5,400. Uh, you'd be hard pressed not to try to find a way to sneak him into your lineup. That is like a ridiculous call. We 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 cashed in on him uh, a couple of weeks ago because he was being too disrespected. And I think this week again at fifty four hundred, that's pretty um, that's pretty solid. I, I like Ayuk, like I said at uh, at five thousand. Uh, but uh, if we're going with uh, if we're if we're looking for uh, a plays around that area, I think you try to pay up for T Higgins instead for just four hundred dollars more. If you're looking for a discount. Uh, narrative-based thing. So, yeah, I love T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd is hard to trust, so I'm not going that direction. But like right. I said, I uh, 
I, I, I don't really like the Raiders too much. Uh, Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake make it hard to trust either one of them because of how much they play. Hunter Renfro has been somewhat of a beast in full PPR. So I think that uh, he's always a possibility to throw in there at 5,800. It's a little difficult though. Um, You know, that's the, the highest he's been for the entire season. You know, he gets nine targets, nine targets, eight targets the last three weeks, seven catches in each of them. He did find the end zone twice, but even um, in those two games, he, he only got 17.6, 17.9 points finding the end zone on nine targets. So um, he's very unlikely to pay off at 5,800. So I ain't going to do it. And uh, the defense, and 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 then you got the uh, the tight end CJ Uzuma. It's fine, not one of my favorite uh, people to play. Uh, he, he's 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 been a value every single week. He's only thirty five hundred. You can go that direction, but uh, I already mentioned other guys I like for even far cheaper. And then Darren Waller, he's he's completely fine. Um, tight end three, uh, probably uh, overall. He's sixty one hundred on. He's 6,100 over on DraftKings, and you can never really go wrong with him except for at 6,100. Again, he hasn't cashed that since week one against Baltimore. 10 catches on 19 targets. 19 targets found the end zone. After that, 11 points, 10.4, 15, 18.5, 10.9, 16.2, 66.4. He's just not getting it there. So um, you're almost guaranteed not to make it, so I don't know why you'd invest when there's far cheaper options that can. Yeah, I, I've actually hit the Uzama ceiling game, and it was in a matchup like this. The Raiders' defense very poor defending the tight end. 18 points a game, eight targets for 78 yards. I was trying to dive into the log a little more, and yeah, I mean, they're giving it up. You know, Gusecki had their way with them. Jared Cook, Noah Fant went nine for 97 and one. That was his big game. Uh, I mean, Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph combined for seven catches for 60. Kelsey had the big ceiling game. But, yeah, you know, when it's when it's the superstars that do it, I'm not I'm not as apt to run to get the one. Plus, the usage for Uzama is down. You mentioned it could be a bit spotty. I'm starting to come around on the mix and call a touch. I worry about the usage. And I think maybe Chubb. I have him out. I don't know if I'm going to get to mixing because of Chubb. And then you got me on Cook also. Yeah, this this one kind of stinks to me. I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going to stick with the Bengals over the Raiders. Again, I, I think the Raiders are on the downslide, and a lot of the season long stats are just not really there. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get away from this one altogether. You got any last ones on Bengals Raiders? No, no. Nope. Okay. Oh, I forgot. I had one last note. Again, you mentioned the best point, the most important thing that we're doing here. When you mentioned T Higgins, elite usage. At a bargain price, 25% target share, 33% of the air yards, 11 and a half a dot. Matt, that's straight up elite usage. There's no way around it. That's an elite triple slash, elite triple slash, 57 targets on the year. I think the conversion percentage will increase. We've seen Higgins just kind of like get stopped. The last guy will tackle him. He'll get tackled at the five. I think that happened against the Jets. Yeah, he had that big one. He went four for 97 and he just missed out. That would have got him a touchdown and the bonus. We might be talking about him differently than he was tied for the reception share last year. You gotta like Higgins. That game is coming. Next up, this one is extremely tough. Again, we're in the portion of the year where teams that have critical injuries and we don't have the information yet. So I generally don't jump at these ones, although I think the line has started to move. I'm talking about Kyler Murray and the Cardinals right now are two-point favorites against Seattle. 
man, oh gosh, I bet against Seattle because I didn't think Russell was healthy. That turned out to be at least correct on the surface because they look really bad against your Packers. He couldn't really get anything done. This one has flipped though, Matt, when it opened up and we didn't think Murray would play, Seattle was a two-point favorite. Now that it looks like Murray should play, uh, Arizona is now a two-point favorite. But there's too many moving pieces in here for me to get behind. I'm going to let other people chase, meaning if you're getting Murray, what version of him are you going to get? He really hasn't run anyway. Uh, with Hopkins down, people are running towards James Conner. I faded him last week. That worked out well. I think now without Edmonds, Conner becomes an easier focus for opposing defenses. And then to Seattle, I don't think they're as bad as we saw because I think Russell will get better as he gets better. And I think that will subsequently affect the wide receivers there that are very hard to get behind without Russell Wilson. I mean, it's Lockett is hard enough to pick what weeks he's going to produce on a game to game basis as is, let alone if we might be talking about an injured Russell Wilson, where I think we can agree what we've seen, the floor is zero. Tyler Lockett and DJ Metcalf last week, Matt, combined five for 49 yards. That ain't going to get it done. So until I see these guys do it, I'm going to let everyone else kind of risk their hard-earned money. Is there anywhere you have a strong feeling? No, not really. Uh, James Conner seems like a um... – James Conner seems like a safe enough bet as a uh, at sixty one hundred as the main like you know all he does is score touchdowns he he didn't actually get a whole ton of work over you know Benjamin but I mean with as, as long as Edmonds is out I think Conner makes for a smart play as far as the pass catchers you know me I don't like I don't like going DFS when your team literally has like a million people they can throw to yeah, yeah. so I'm I'm not going that direction I don't trust Russell Wilson uh, being completely back healthy therefore I don't trust DK or Tyler Lockett either. Um, and that kind of covers everything. So, uh, yeah, I think James Conner is the only interesting one for me in this one, but um, just because of the workload he's got and his ability to find the end zone. But other than that, I'm not I'm not too excited. Yeah, Seattle run defense has actually tightened up a touch, and you see that beginning to materialize in the statistics here. They have a minus 15% rush DVOA on against a run that's very good. They allow a ton of attempts and 125 yards. But a lot of that was kind of front-loaded. You know, again, we're in that point of the season, Matt, where context really matters. Season staffs can get you in trouble. Henry lit them up early, 182-3. and three. Madison had his big game against them, 112. Um, Darrell Henderson had a big game. And then since then, really not much going on. They smushed Kamara, only 51 yards. He had 20 attempts. You know, that's not nothing. Uh, again, very poor Jacksonville run game. Nothing to brag about there. But they did also kind of squash the Packers running backs, the Packers running backs had 28 attempts combined for 91 yards. That isn't great. So I think there's a version of this game script here where Seattle can kind of queue up on Connor without Arizona having all the passing threats. And again, Murray, they might just challenge him, right? He's not really running. So they might drop two safeties, then front load. I think this one's ugly. I'm actually seeing the total now is 47 and a half. I don't think we get even close to this. This one just feels like one of those uber gross four o'clock games. Like, thanks, but no thanks. I really don't have a lean or any strong plays. Matt, why don't you lead us off on the last game? This is not only the darling of this Sunday, it's the darling of the season. We have our highest point total of the year and perhaps the most anticipated game from a DFS standpoint on the schedule at any point 10 weeks through. Dallas Cowboys going to Kansas City. Dallas two-and-a-half-point favorites. 
Uh, two and a half point underdogs, I'm sorry, to Kansas City, the total I mentioned, at 56 and a half. Holy cow. Obviously, I mentioned the Colts being, you know, betting on very good underdogs. The Dallas Cowboys are a very good team. The Colts are coming off that Chiefs kind of performance. But if that was the anomaly, the Cowboys are the best underdog on the slate. Probably hard to agree that. Doesn't mean you have to bet them. I'm not trying to twist your arm. But at plus 20, the Cowboys are a really good team to get at plus odds. Matt, do you think we get what the world is expecting here? You're right. 31-28. Uh, yeah, this will be a pretty massive scoring game. I don't think I'd be very shocked if it, if it went any other direction. Uh, Dak just destroyed the Falcons um, last week because they could not get a rush on him at all. The l- literally the worst ranked pass rush in the entire league, the Atlanta Falcons, but just behind him at 31, uh, 31st in the entire league is the Kansas City Chiefs. So I would expect Dak Prescott to just eat and and go wild in this one as well. Patrick Mahomes busted out five touchdowns last week, and he'll be doing it against the Cowboys, um, who their defense isn't really a joke. I mean, there's there's definitely some um, some obstacles in their secondary, um, you know, I should, and their pass rush is uh, no no joke. So. I think that uh, he is probably, you know, a very safe bet to have a good play. And DFS, I'm not sure I um, am entirely happy with him at 60, 7,600. I think I'd rather go with Dak at 72. But again, it's Patrick Mahomes. And um, any other week uh, leading up to this week, you wouldn't uh, people wouldn't have wouldn't have shied um, wouldn't have thought you were crazy for for fading him. Uh, and in this one, in a very um, high scoring game, he's probably fine as well. But I think Dax is, is a safer bet of the two if you wanted to invest in this high scoring game, which again everyone will. So that's the the problem when you're investing in these uh, high ownership games. You want to make sure you're not making a mistake. Ezekiel Elliott's going to be absolutely beast like in this one. He's you know always good for a pretty decent workload. The uh, I'm actually more interested in Tony Pollard though, because of the game script and how's it, how it goes in a shootout. I don't think they'll necessarily uh, get up enough where Ezekiel will, will end up getting that, um, that incredible workload you're hoping for at, at, at a higher salary um, running back where I think Tony Pollard who last week had um, 11 attempts, 42 yards, got seven targets, which is nice to see again, Atlanta, you know, they, they threw the ball um, a lot. I think that uh, Pollard could get a lot of work again at only 4,700. He's one of my, actually my, my favorite plays of the, uh, the weekend. So I love Pollard on the uh, Kansas city side on the ground. Clyde Edwards Hilaire looks like he'll be back. I have no idea what to make of that at all. He comes in at 5,200. Well, they're still, I was just checking there. Still very non-committal. Andy Reid said they want to see how he does in practice before making any kind of decision. So he, he has technically right now he's not activated, right? He's not been activated for the game. So it's not like yeah, a go. So I think we have to, right? If let's say he is, I think it's easy enough to say fade that backfield, but the split. If he's not, do you have do you, we have to consider Darrell Williams? He's not somebody I've really been looking at. He's kind of a bit boring, but he gets work. You know, last week he had the big he had the big receiving game against Las Vegas, but even before that, twenty one touches, but only seventy seven combined yards. Doesn't really get it done. Uh, I I don't know. I I kind of like Hilaire. I like the Chiefs more with Hilaire. 
than I yeah. do. But well, I, yeah, I think either way, I, I'm not taking Darrell Williams either way, and it makes it okay. easy. Okay. With with Clyde coming back, it would make a slam dunk fade, and you can't play Clyde this week because you don't know they're probably going to split work. As far as the wide receivers go, this is where it kind of gets a little confusing here because uh, CD Lamb uh, is is obviously incredibly talented and he gets his, he gets his work every single week. He disappointed um, in, you know, against Denver. He only caught two catches on nine targets. He bounced back big time last week, six, six catches on seven targets, 94 yards and two touchdowns. He has big games in his back pocket all the time. 28 points versus Atlanta. He had 39 points versus new England. Um, But overall he's very, very inconsistent, but at 7,600 in this game, absolutely take a shot. I think that uh, he'll be one of the smarter plays of the week. He'll probably cash in big time. Amari Cooper comes in at, uh, you know, 6,200, which for the amount of targets he gets, that's appropriate. He just doesn't get the looks that CD has been getting at 13 in week eight. But other than that, four, five, eight, six, he's, he's just not getting, um, the ton of uh, he's just not getting the the amount of targets that that CD is getting at least consistently. So he falls behind as a wide receiver too, and is appropriately priced because of that. Michael Gallup, uh, it, that's that's purely a coin flip here. He's he's probably the fourth or fifth option on the team, um, I think at this point for for targets. And in this one, I you know you'd be you'd be basically just like throwing a prayer out there. So in a high scoring game, you could definitely try it, but I, I won't be going that way on the other side of the ball. Nicole Hardman and Byron Pringle, same thing. They're coin flips just as Michael Gallup. Tyree kill is the guy to take a look at as always, but so will the rest of the planet last since week. Let's just the entire, the entire year. He's just a target hog since week four targets, 12, 13, 12, 9, 18, 11, and 10. He's just consistently, consistently the guy. And at 8,200, um, he's he's probably a guy you want to look for at cash games. And GPP in a high ownership game, I don't know how much of a benefit it'll be to you to go that direction. Uh, same as I get Devontae Adams, I try to, to shy away from those a little bit. But yeah, I definitely can't fault you in a game where he's probably going to do some work. But um, yeah, that's a little pricey. It's very difficult for anyone to reach um, that level. And he's done it twice this year. <laughs> week one versus Cleveland, 40 points, uh, week four versus Philly, 50 points. But again, other than that, he is not reached there. So it's just a very difficult pinnacle to reach. Yeah. This one's tough. It's going to get all the attention and a bunch of people are going to be disappointed no matter what, right? Even if you get the, the big, the big score, it never works out the way you think people are going to, you're right. You're going to have the wrong stack or the wrong QB or something, so I, I, man, my first gut, believe it or not, my first gut instinct was to fade this game outright. <laughs> was to fade it outright, or if Hilaire was out, to get with um, Darrell Williams. My thinking being, I like the Cowboys to win, and it when the Chiefs fall behind, he gets all the work in the backfield, and then we see him, you know, catch balls. You know, he's as high as nine last week, but he's also had six and then, you know, tons of threes, but he can extend it after the catch. So he's not leaving the field. If Hilaire is playing, that Williams play would be out the window. So I was trying to put my thumb on the vertical game a touch. Let me see if you're picking up what I'm putting down a little bit, Matt. So I was diving into some, some of these advanced stats, an outsider and the Chiefs, you could beat them deep, right? In particular, you could beat the Chiefs deep to the right. So their bottom five in the league, deep passes, very bad, particularly to the right side. And I went and bust out the charts, the next-gen charts. And if you're going strictly by that, I mean, again, this, you know, it's not law, 
Cooper is the deep right option. Pretty clearly, he's the deep right option. You can see weak, yeah, just just throughout the year. He, he he's lined up on the right. He's running the deep fly routes on the right. So then you you know kind of take the calculus a little bit further. He's the cheaper player at six point two, and I think that's the guy I want in this game. I'm going with Cooper and kind of hoping, right? I, like I said, you you know, there's a certain level, there's a certain level of uncertainty you're going to have to have when you're doing this stuff. That's just what it is. You know, yeah, we want it to be Cooper and Lamb and Hill and Kelsey and Prescott and Mahomes. And it's just not how the game is played. I'm hoping people will be off Cooper. He's off two kind of low games, but we did see him pop up against Minnesota, it's in the cards. And, you know, all that usage stuff is there for Cooper, 19% target, 29% air, 12% A dot. This game is just littered with elite usage. Lamb is 22, 31, 11 and a half. Tyreek Hill is 28, 40 and 11. I mean, you could see what what and why people are chasing this stuff, but we can't afford them all. So I'm going to hope Hill just gets shut down by that Cowboys secondary. Maybe they're able to get some pressure from the outside, and we see the Chiefs' offense stumble. This is a tough one for me, Matt. I you know if this one goes into the 60s and 70s, I'm probably taking a loss in my lineups. Uh, yeah, it's um, a lot of people will be heavily. A lot of people will be stacking this game, like almost literally entirely. But the flip side, the flip side of that is, if this one turns out to even be. 24 to 17. That's like a dealer blackjack on like three quarters of the board. Seriously. Like you, even in a five, even if you're only going three to five lineups, I do heavily suggest one lineup, just one that you outright fade the game in the event that it nosedives and we go under everybody, their mom, uncle, and second cousin is on it. You're going to get such a relative boost from ownership that it's going to put you in a great position to cash. Yes, absolutely. Cool. That's it, man. That was the full Sunday board. That was all of the betting, DFS, advanced stat, and triple slash that one person could handle, I think. Wow, Matt. What a pleasure. I love this Friday show so much. And everybody that is unfamiliar, maybe just sticking around because Han Solo is back in the chair. Monday, we look back at the bets and DraftKings. Um, lineups Tuesday. I go through all 32 injury reports with the subsequent waiver wire moves. Wednesday is a first look at the betting board, really from a theoretical standpoint. Again, I like more information Thursday. I've been doing a preview of the Thursday night football game with bargain plays at each of the positions. So feel free to go back and listen to the last couple. I try and make them as, you know, evergreen as possible. And then Friday it's captain and Tennille on the full show. <laughs> So Matt, that was awesome, man. Thanks again. All right, the um, to to end the show. Uh, do you? Do, I don't know if you've been building lineup like we do every single week. I yes. don't know if you were able to I do it during this defense. One. I am in love, absolutely in love with this lineup. I need a cheap defense. I had to come off the Panthers if I wanted to go from Brandon Cooks up to Amari Cooper. So I'm stuck on a cheap defense at 25 or below. I don't know if I want to go like Washington kind of stinks. The Jets kind of stink. Jacksonville, I don't know. Maybe I'll go Jacksonville because they're at least serviceable. So go ahead. You want to roll yours out first? Sure. It's funny. I I, I built mine. I have I I got eight hundred dollars to spend um, in reserve, which is a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. But I this that's oh, this is what I have. I have Justin Fields rolled out there as my quarterback at fifty seven hundred. I actually wanted to move up uh, to try to maybe get Joe Burrow in there, um, but uh, it it just. 
It just can't happen for the amount of money I have for the running backs. I actually have AJ Dillon, Joe Mixon, and Tony Pollard in there as my flex. I love him at 4,700. My wide receivers, I have AJ Brown, um, Amari Cooper, and DJ Moore. And in my tight end, I have Mr. John Bates at 2,500. And uh, the Panthers <laughs> defense at 2,700. Oh. So I have everyone in here. I can I can upgrade uh, pretty significantly. Um, this lineup. So this isn't, isn't the one that I want to go with. This is one I've, I've kind of building as we go along. I mean, I can, I can upgrade AJ Brown um, all the way up to him, um, all the way up to uh, Devonte Adams if I want. Uh, nice. So uh, that's why I said there's major upgrades to be made uh, in this particular lineup that I have made. So it's definitely not, uh, um, it's definitely not set in stone. Uh, you know, I, I can upgrade. Uh, I can upgrade Joe Mixon all the way up to Dal- uh, to, to Dalvin Cook if I want. So I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different things that I can do here. So, um, yeah, it's a uh, it's just a matter of I think picking. I think you got to. Uh, I think Panthers are kind of my free square for the week at 2700, and I'll throw in John Bates at 2500, um, and I might work Mike Gesicki in there as my tight end instead. Uh, as well. But uh, yeah, other than that, there's so many good directions uh, for running backs. I like cook. I like Chubb. I like Mixon. I like Swift. I like Dylan. I like Pollard. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of different directions to go. All right. I love this lineup I have, and it's, it's all people that we called out on the show, which I also love because it means I back them with some stuff. I got Tua behind center going up against the jets. Then Nick Chubb and AJ Dylan. I'm going to eat the Dylan chalk for the usage. Then A.J. Brown, Amari Cooper, D.J. Moore, really good three-headed monster. Each have a chance to be the number one target. Dallas is probably the shadiest of those. I, like I said, I could go to Cooks. Then Troutman at the tight end. I mentioned the usage there. Deontay Foreman at the flex at 5,000. I'm hoping for the 20. You know, I'm hoping he falls into the end zone, catch a couple passes. And I, I think you could get there. And then I really like the Panthers play, but I couldn't get there for the Jaguars. So I could actually 2v2. I could go down from Tua and the Jaguars. I could go Fields and the Panthers if I wanted to, I think, or something like that. But, yeah, I'm pretty happy with this. I'm going to roll that lineup out, and I hope other people do too. Get at us on Twitter, you know, with your results. you got to follow along my underdog bets. I'm going to have them out tomorrow. I think I've been doing so well. So Matt, I think that's it for me. You got anything else on the way out? No, man, that's it. I, I know we went pretty long here. That's okay. Uh, that's we're awesome. basically at the two-hour mark, so hopefully oh, everyone got something out of this. Woo-hoo. The big Week 11 uh, major show. Uh, thank you for listening to the yep. Daily Blitz podcast. I'm your host, Matt Williams. You can find me on Twitter at M-E-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. John, where can everyone chase you down? At the Bluebird Machine, at MLB Moving AVG, or you could just type in NFL Moving Averages. John Legaza is the name. Thank you, everybody, for sticking around. I'll see you Monday. Enjoy these games, man. All right, see everybody. This is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shares, ribbon off rib, quick in the hits, first on the list, this, mad well, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up for size, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz.